If you didn't know it until now, you are the Common Sense Nation. And this is Radio Free Almond. Good morning, you bunch of drunks. Seems the seems the older some of these actors get, like De Niro and some of these other folks, they they tend to look like we're watching them deteriorate in front of our eyes. It's really weird. Like De Niro with all of that. I mean, he he seems like he's just like a bitter old man, who looks, by the way, like an old Jewish woman, but he, it's just like a bitter old man who screams and yells and F-bombs and everything else, and, and some of the other actors, when they go up there at the Oscars, they just get and weird Fonda character. Who I always thought, you know, he kind of, I always thought he was kind of cool because he was, he, he was an easy rider, you know? Dennis Hopper. Love that. This is an Enco gas station, man. Those were the days. 1969. Yeah, man. How do we remember Peter Fonda? Riding down the I pulled into Nazareth highway. Was feeling about half past in the chopper, you know, that ultimately they auctioned off. You know. I just need some place where I can leave my head. Of course, you knew he was an a-hole when he did that whole movie and didn't want to keep his chopper. You know. We'll go down the highway, man. man Dennis Hopper, choppering. I remember this scene where they just were... uh, Take a load off, Fanny. Take a load for free. Blown off the chopper. Take a load off, Fanny. 
great scene too. Yeah, that's how I remember Peter Fonda. Then, then he went on this Twitter tirade. And in his tweets, he talked about kidnapping Baron Trump. We should rip Baron Trump from his mother's arms and put him in a cage with pedophiles. And see if mother will stand up against the giant a-hole she's married to. This guy was like going nuts. Of course, you look at the timestamp. It's like two and eight, two a.m. Okay, gotcha. Some beautiful scenes in Easy Rider. Did you like that movie? I kind of did. I don't. I didn't. I, I've seen it once, but I, I didn't really. Uh, didn't quite understand it as much as I think the cultural, you know, amazing cultural movie that it was. I don't know. I just, I thought it was really cool. The motorcycles were cool. I loved Dennis Hopper. Uh, I don't know much about Peter Fonda, really. That That's the only thing I really know about him is that he was in that movie and, <clears throat> and that he's crazy. Yeah, Henry Fonda is his dad and, and you know, and Dennis Jane and, you know, kind of like a, you know, a movie star family and I you know and yeah Dennis Hopper was great. I did notice though in looking at this movie, Easy Rider nineteen sixty nine, it is true that I said that while back I saw pretty much every single movie ever made around that time with my dad. Except Easy Rider. Oh. I'm not gonna go see a movie with a bunch of freaking hippies in it. Mm-hmm. It, that's probably what was it. I, I, so I totally missed Easy Rider, like in the theater, mm-hmm. like because I, I don't think my dad would have come near that movie. You were pretty young too. I mean, it was they were smoking, you know, they were doing stuff in that. Movie. <laughs> yeah, dude, I mean. my first, my first double bill, my first double feature was Patton and Mash, and that was oh. like in nineteen seventy or seventy one. So I was oh. all of seven and eight. Okay. I remember sitting through the theater. I remember, I, remember I, I, I didn't make it through. I made it through Patton, and then I didn't make it through MASH, but I remember the shower scene. Okay. So, okay. oh, yeah. <laughs> Ingrained. Oh, my, my, well, yeah, and my dad wasn't like. No. He, he would, I saw mm. many people getting killed, and mm-hmm. I, you know, I yeah. saw every Western ever made, every war movie mm-hmm. ever made. My dad didn't have any. Uh, sheltering standards when it came to like smoking a cigarette, right. that's for sure. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't the reason we didn't see Easy Rider because they were smoking in it. Well, they were smoking weed. Yeah, but right. even that, yeah. you know, it, 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 that would not have been. It was because they were. It was Just a hippie damn movie, hippies. right? It was those damn hippie right. movies. You know. He didn't want it, so I, that's why I probably didn't see it. But anyway, he went on this tirade, and he since apologized for it. So, I mean, he... He immediately regretted it. Yeah, That's he said quote. he took it off, and he did apologize. And he... Uh, you could tell he's an old man because he used the word gash to describe a woman. And that is... Uh, that's that's very Oof. old, withered, misogyny kind of stuff. 
that's pretty hard. I didn't see that. Oh yeah, yeah. He that's how he described uh, uh, Christian Nielsen, the, oh. the director of Homeland Security, as a lying gash. Wow. And, and Sarah Sanders is a lying gash. I mean, you're you're kind of old school, rapey, old withered man type when you're doing that kind of using that kind of language. That's pretty harsh, man. That's pretty hard. It's really, and, and, and there, there are very few people left alive who use that terminology. Right. Yeah. There aren't many guys around who still do that. <laughs> they're, they're, uh, these are the guys who, like, you, you wouldn't, they're, they somehow skip the whole greatest generation thing. You know, right. they kind of skip that whole uh-huh. category. They, they were, uh, there, there's a very select few members of our population who still use the word gash to describe a female. I mean, seriously, people. <laughs> so, but he did. In his, it's so funny that, that, that in a, in, there's, this, there's this hugely modern technology, although it's not really as modern anymore as you'd think. This modern technology like Twitter, mm-hmm. and there's some old coot like... Peter Fonda on it, a coot, using the word gash. It's like unbelievable. It's a clash of two eras right there and one right there on on Twitter. It's just amazing. Well, good morning this morning from the Discovery Design Studio, Radio Free Almond here. And we've got uh, Austin Peterson joining us around 7 o'clock. And he is going to be talking to us a little bit about how things are going and about some video making the rounds out there that um fairly interesting and i'm I, the whole thing about passing around old videos of people talking i get it i mean i i get that there's some consternation about what he said on the video and we'll talk to him about that Cortland sykes is going to pop in about eight o'clock and he's going to be here in the studio with us i believe if all the scheduling is correct. And then we have Doug Giles joining us about 8.30 or so. And so we're going to do uh, do that. And we'll. Uh, you want to hear the tape, a little bit of the tape uh, from that, that's being passed around all over? Uh, let me plug this in here. Let's see if I can plug it in. Plug I, it I, in, I, I um, it in. These new phones, I got I to gotta open the damn thing, first of all. Oh. These new phones, I don't think you can play. I think there's a there's a hole available for me to play the thing in. Can't figure it out. Usually there's like a little bit of a, like some kind of a, a, a uh, jack, like a jack. Jack hole. Some kind of an eighth inch jack hole. Yeah, you, like I think that. you have one of those good ones that is all wireless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but that doesn't help me, though. When, when yeah. it's all wireless, I need... Uh, mm-hmm. I need. I think it's right there. I just can't get it open. I have one of these, these uh, unnecessary waterproof t- cases, mm-hmm. and it really. I don't need a waterproof case, you know, because the iPhone X is waterproof anyway, dude. Did you know that? Yeah, I did. I went to the Genius Bar and they told me that, but I didn't buy it. So somebody, um, <laughs> so somebody sold me on a waterproof case for a waterproof phone. <laughs> so you're good, man. You could go like scuba diving with that thing, probably. Well, yeah, uh, but here's the problem, dude. Is that is that um, 
I, I really, it really don't, I really don't need that. Well, maybe I'll just play it off. Oh, you know what I'll do here? Check this out. Hang on a second here. I'll just, I'll just put it on my, I was gonna, I, I thought I would took it for, for granted that I had the, uh, the, the jack there, but I, I really actually don't. So that was, that was a myth. Wow. It was a mythical jack. Mm. It was a jack. It was a, it was a fantasy jack is what that was. <laughs> it was a jack fantasy. <laughs> Sounds like was. a Spinal Tap album. Yeah, it was. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. A, it was a <clears throat> fantasy um, Jack. Yeah. Hey, look at us. It was a. Uh, oh yeah, there we are. Yeah. It was a. Uh, it was a Jack fantasy. Here, let me just find this here. Here. Let's see if that works. Okay, here it is. So, so anyway, this is this is the this is the Austin Peterson thing, and this tape's making the rounds. And obviously, the people passing it around uh, don't don't like him. So, oh, one quick thing about about the nineteen sixty nine Easy Rider. So we had the situation involving the uh, five easy pieces. I don't know whether you remember that movie. Uh, that movie, I know, and. <laughs> That one, the, my favorite scene in that one was when it was it was Dennis Hopper, who I, th- I think he had Dennis Hopper. No, was it Dennis Hopper? Or was it Jack Nicholson? Jack Nicholson. It was Jack Nicholson who in the wanted the uh, yeah he wanted the, the toast. toast. They wouldn't give him the oh. toast, mm. so he just asked for a BLT without the lettuce, without the tomato, without the. Bacon. That's one of the greatest scenes I've ever seen ever. That's one of my favorite scenes in a movie. And he wound up mm-hmm. uh, toppling it, mm-hmm. the table and everything else. You know Good who, morning this morning. Uh, Tony Basil's in that scene as well. She's she's in the booth with him, if you know who Tony Basil is. No. Oh, oh you don't know who Tony Basil is? I just told you. Oh, no, I'm I don't so, know uh, who she is. That's an 80s thing. Oh, oh, uh, Ricky, you're so fine. You're so fine. That's oh, like, that girl. Yeah, she was actually an actress. Yeah. She's the little dummy sitting across from him that he tells us to shut up. Oh, yeah. She starts talking. Yeah. All right, so anything... Uh, why is why is Mama K saying oh nothing's working this morning? Okay, so anyway, this is Austin Peterson. I, I don't first of all, I don't know where the I don't know where the hell the tape was made. I don't know where it is. I think it's a Facebook Live or some Twitter Live or maybe it's a uh, what do they call the Twitter Lives? Uh, they were they're not vines, but they're they used to people don't do them anymore. But they used to be like the Twitter Live thing, Periscope, Periscope. Mm-hmm. I mean, it might have been Periscope or something. It seems to be a little edited, so I, I don't know uh, what that's all about. But, I mean, it's apparently him, and the, because it's tied to immigration, they're making the rounds because he's talking about how he wants open borders. So, here, listen to this. Uh, no, closed borders is for commies, actually. Uh, closed borders was actually... Uh... A communist idea, because Karl Marx was the one who was uh, complaining about, like, surplus Irish labor. So if you're closed for closed borders, then congratulations, you're a freaking commie. That's, that was, that, that's kind of, uh, I don't know when the state w- was made or when he was <clears throat> running for president with uh, Marijuana Johnson over there. <laughs> I don't know. Globalization does equal globalism. It's the same thing, guys. you got to stop listening to Alex Jones and all the idiotic paleoconservatives for your news. 
more Cato Institute, less, uh, you know, there really isn't an, an institute for closed immigration, at least one that has any basis in free markets. So I like the Cato Institute, though. But anyway, he's so this is trying to purport that he's an open borders guy. And there are a lot of libertarians out there who are open borders people, you know. Best vice president. Ooh, good question. Uh, George H.W. Bush. There's a, there's a viewpoint, and Judge Napolitano kind of had it too, that 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 we should have no borders, that there are really – that it's just – it's antithetical to the human free spirit to have – open borders. Unfortunately, that can be refuted to a certain degree just simply by the Constitution, which allows for the federal government to provide for the security of its people. Uh, And indeed, that translates to also being able to provide for the security of its borders. So I would think, you know. Actually, the funny thing about Hispanics is, is that they're not necessarily majority socialists because the reason why the Hispanics tend to favor the Democratic Party is because uh, so many were stupid Republicans or idiotic racists like yourselves. <laughs> if you weren't such morons, then I, the Hispanics, being socially conservative because they're Catholic, would be more conservative. So, so it's your fault that they're not actually voting for social Democrats, so stopping a moron. So now, I, 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 here's the one thing uh, in Austin Peters' defense on that thing is that it is true Republicans are have been really bad at communicating to some minority groups and to some individuals. And I'm not saying that Republicans have to pander to them. I've always maintained, as President Trump has, that people have desires that are the same – Everywhere, So white people and black people and Hispanic people and others all have really the same dreams, the same motivation. So there's nothing that a president can do or even a party can do that should be directed solely towards one minority because I think everybody has an interest in having a stake in the economy and beyond. So once you open up the economy and create more stakeholders, that in itself – is reaching out to minorities. You don't have to have special grants or special this, but you do have to communicate to them. And so I think Republicans have been really bad about that, and President Trump, a new Republican, has been really good at it, which is why he has so many Hispanics and why he outperformed Romney and McCain and all those guys among blacks and minorities, and indeed even women. So... President Trump has managed to nail it. So to Austin Peterson's point, it is true that some Republicans just don't know what the hell they're doing and don't know how to communicate. But I'm not quite sure that it's because they're racist. I'm not a libertarian if I'm not vaping, so I need to get my vape pen. All right, got my vape. That's This is real libertarianism, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> vaping. Uh, I like Milo. Sometimes I, th- I think Milo thinks I'm cute because every once in a while, like Milo and I are friends on Facebook. You're talking about Milo, the Alchemist, that guy. <clears throat> every yeah. once in a while, I'll post a cute pic and Milo will like it. I'll be like, oh, Milo, I see you creeping. The Iron Law <laughs> of Oligarchy. Okay. <laughs> I think this is just, you know, I don't know what this is. You know, and he's going to be on at seven o'clock to to explain it. And 
you know, he, listen, there's a big, there's a, there's a pretty good differentiating point of all the candidates. And Tony Minetti has his thing. And Austin Peterson has his thing. Cortland Sykes has his thing. Peter Pfeiffer has his thing. Christy Nichols has her thing. And they're all distinct personalities. And when they get to sniping at each other, there's, there's, there's a, a, their differences are out there too. And I don't think it's any, been any secret that Austin Peterson has not ultimately, before this election, been very friendly to Trump. Uh, and indeed to Trump supporters. Uh, that's kind of there are tweets out there where he's talking about Trump supporters and <laughs> disparaging them and that kind of thing. But I was one of the biggest Trump supporters around, and I still like Austin Peterson. So I, there's a lot of things you can say. I think he doesn't probably need to address this because if if you're, I don't think that Missouri wants a U.S. senator that's an open borders guy. You think? I don't think they do. I don't think they do either. So Austin's got to address that. And, when, and, and and listen, to me, people who adjust their opinions about things and people who do that, I don't mind. I, you know, flip. There's just all these people are about how they're flip-floppers and they're this and they're that. And as long as you're flopping to my side, I'm I'm good. It's like if if... Trump was one time a Democrat or one time believed this and doesn't believe it anymore, then I'm all right with that as long as what you don't believe anymore is what I believe, meaning can, can you're I with me. Can I ask you a question, Jamie? Yeah. Can you define what you believe to be a libertarian? Uh, not particularly because because sometimes libertarians are confused with, with – uh, constitutionalists and uh, you know yeah. but from what i know about libertarians is that they are very socially liberal in ter- they're kind of the aclu type liberals where uh, they have a definable position about and i, I actually skew more towards their position their position on many of the social issues with the exception of abortion although i'm not quite sure how libertarians stand on abortion because I'm a little more restrictive in terms of uh, – because there are, there is an argument to be made among libertarians that, that we shouldn't even be in people's wombs. So I, I understand that, but don't agree with it. I don't think we need to pass legislation that calls for, for instance, uh, you know, vaginal uh, scans and things like that before mandating that. That's uncomfortable for me for the government to – be dictating things like that. I prefer, if, if since I am pro-life, to take a position that is uh, more towards uh, life alternatives as opposed to just simply trying to stop it through laws. Let's let's stop it through creativity and through options as opposed to through laws. That's, I'm kind of like in that category. Mm-hmm. Although I do think that it's perfectly okay to pass a law that forbids the execution of babies. In the third trimester, I I think that's perfectly defensible uh, constitutionally and beyond, and so I'm I'm in that category, and, and we'll we'll get to that later because I mean that's why I can't listen to the liberals talk about children at the border because they really don't care about children when they support killing them at in the numbers they support them, and the only way they get out of it is by just simply they just don't believe their children. 
but but I don't want to get too far into the weeds on that one. But but that's why I I listen to like a Chuck Schumer or a Nancy Pelosi or any left winger talking about their concern for children, and I completely my BS meter just pins. Because they really don't care about children, they 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 don't mind killing them. So I guess the the only way actually uh, to have prevented uh, the outrage for a liberal over the border thing is to make these kids, uh, when, the minute they cross the border, suck them into a vacuum and decapitate them and take their limbs off. Then then of course the perhaps the liberals might not make such a stink about the whole thing. Obviously. I'm being very exaggerative on the matter, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah, don't, 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 don't pretend like you care about children. Believe me, because I don't believe you. All right. So anyway, to your point about libertarianism, I am in, in a situation where uh, are we? Are we in a? Are we? Keeps dropping. What does keep dropping? What keeps dropping? Uh, Facebook keeps getting interrupted. I'm not sure if it's an internet thing. I think it's outside the building kind of thing. Oh, okay. Um, but okay. he's on top of it. <clears throat> no, I was just I know you have a libertarian leaning. I know you do a little bit in, in s- some ways. And I know some of the guys in Dinosaur Radio that, that are, have a, a huge appeal, I think, tend to, to have a, a little bit of that socially. It's, but there's, there's one. I've never gotten a libertarian... And I've tried to really actually define what a libertarian is, and I would love to hear Austin Peterson just flat out define it if he can. But they seem to have the same problem that you just had, which is, well, I have some things about me that are libertarian, but you know, this, this. It's always like a mix or a blend or a hybrid or something like that. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, because you know? because I don't think he's 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 running in the Republican Party, mm-hmm. so I'm not quite sure he would say he's running as a libertarian. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I don't. I don't think he is. I mean, I, I think it's okay for even a libertarian to run within the Republican Party and adjust to certain viewpoints mm-hmm. that might not have been uh, acceptable before that for a libertarian. Mm-hmm. And like, for instance, a Republican Party has not taken a full-on stance against the death penalty. I happen to be against the death penalty. But the, the but the Republican Party has not taken a stance against that. But I'd vote for a Republican who supports the death penalty. Mm-hmm. I, I I would would I know Donald Trump supports the death penalty, but I I do not. I I I I don't agree that it that it. I don't want the state to uh, to be have that much power to kill its own citizens. I think it's it's a horrible idea. And I'm I'm and libertarian. Yeah, uh, for instance. Uh, Decriminalizing marijuana, I'm I'm in that category. I I libertarians also do not believe in invasive military action, regime change, that kind of thing. And uh, actually, President Trump believes the same thing. So I like I like that viewpoint as well when it comes to not getting involved in nation building and 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 trying to get you know involved in those kinds of things. I'm for that uh, for limited government limited military responses around the world. Uh, for instance, President Obama, when he went into Libya, that was so anti-libertarian, anti-conservative. Anybody who supported it is completely off their rocker. And so a libertarian, of course, would not have supported that action. Mm-hmm. Now, the open borders thing's a different story. I, it, it doesn't make any practical sense at all. 
uh, and it, it doesn't make any practical sense. Open borders is a horrible idea. Uh, it, it's a terrible idea. It, 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 only because it's it's not appropriate for our modern government. We 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 couldn't handle it. Uh, it. It's 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 a it's a drain. It's it's a drain on the people. It's a drain on our resources. And so, in all practicality, even if you believed in open borders as a fundamental political matter you cannot possibly think that's a good idea when you are a sovereign nation and and to be for that you can't possibly believe that that is a a good idea so we'll we'll get him on he's going to be on at seven o'clock and we'll run through this whole thing and so apparently we're having problems with the uh facebook page or whatever that's going on it's the internet it was doing that earlier well the internet's the internet you mean outside of our building? Yeah, you know, like charter. charter have an issue with oh, I see. It's on my phone too. It's doing it too. So. Oh, okay. Uh, how's the stream doing? Stream going okay? Yeah. Looks like that's going. The app's yeah, fine. Going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I guess the, the 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 way you can you can refute the open borders guys is is pretty easy, just with a just with a parable, uh, and it's a parable by Bertolt Brecht, and it's called The Good Woman of Sichuan. And it says, essentially, it's about this woman who's a, a good Samaritan. She's a, she's a woman who takes in all these people. And I'm kind of like obviously cutting through, the, through it a little bit. I'm, I'm abbreviating it. I'm giving you a, uh, I'm giving you a, uh, a synopsis. I'm giving you the... Uh, what do they call those when they when when you'd buy the you, instead of reading the book you'd buy the cliff notes, cliff notes. give you the cliff note version of this two point sixers best friend exactly mm-hmm. so the cliff notes uh, version of the good woman of Sichuan tells you what open borders will bring you so the good woman of Sichuan she was taking in all these people into her house and she because she's a good Samaritan she's a person who uh, wanted to help people so she kept taking these people into her house. And ultimately, they kept piling in and piling in and piling in. And so she was being a good Samaritan because she was helping people. But ultimately, these people uh, couldn't uh, – were, were eating her out of house and home. They were, there were so many of them, she couldn't keep up with feeding them. And ultimately, they were disruptive. They destroyed her property. They, when they didn't get what they wanted and there were factions that were created and all these kinds of people that she was trying to help suddenly all became a bunch of people who were a drag on her house. And ultimately they weren't only a drag on her house, they were a drag on each other. So here's this woman trying to be nice and trying to make things happen and yet she couldn't because there were too many people. She was overrun by it. So ultimately what happened is she, here's a woman who had everything there to help people. And then ultimately because of her desire to help people and because she was overrun by people and because they ate her out of house and home and because they destroyed her property and indeed the home, she wound up being able to help no one. 
even herself. And so it collapsed. That's the, actually the very definition of Venezuela. And, and that's the very definition of socialism. That's the outcome of socialism. And so as a, as a practical matter, the, the, as a practical matter, open borders is, is, is horrible, a horrible idea. And you, you can, it, it makes you feel good to think about it. This nomadic, you know, uh, Jesus was an immigrant or a migrant type of thing. And you, you, could, you could use that analogy all you want, but that doesn't work in modern society. That doesn't work practically for any house, any community, any country. It just doesn't work. That's just how it goes. So anyway, we'll have him on at 7 o'clock to discuss it. These tapes are always really kind of, you know, you got to, and, and the only way to deal with these tapes and deal with this issue is to ask them about it and have them yeah. respond to it and see what he has to say. And then, and then if, you, uh, if you don't like it, uh, then you go ahead and assess it that way, you know. So anyway, um, sorry, folks, about the, uh, about the, Internet because people are just like uh, dropping like flies, or they're, they don't they don't want to even be part of this anymore because of the uh, uh, because of the outages and because of that and because of this. So we'll uh, we'll find out what's going on and we'll figure it out for you. Also, we're going to follow up. Rachel Dolezal is back, and she's not Yay. Rachel Dolezal anymore. So we've got an update on that for you, and we also have, of course, the development. Speaking of open borders, where President Trump decided to go ahead and issue a executive order basically saying, hey, no more family separations. We're going to figure this out. And the news media still isn't happy with it, still isn't happy with it. So we're going to follow up on that. And also we have some light at the end of the tunnel as it relates to uh, CNN because there was actually a CNN host who decided she was going to ask a liberal whether or not they protested family separations when Obama was doing it. And you can imagine what the answer is there, but at least the question was asked. So we're making some headway in some way, shape, or form. So we'll have all that for you here from the Discovery Design Studio, the Radio Free Almond Studio at Gaslight. And without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, our national anthem.
Said you give me love, but you never told me about the fire.
Still one of the best bands around. He asked me, man. Yeah, but Lindsay's not coming on tour. That's the, well, that whole thing with Lindsey Buckingham. This is one of those examples where he's he's the best thing they had going. It takes two guys to replace him. Uh, every time they've lost him, they just take yeah. two guys. So yeah, he's a he's the best. He's the best man. You just can't. And 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 they all kind of decided that they all decided they could. They figured they could do it without him. And right. and you and you just can't. And and that's where you have these dumb, petty little differences among people that just and I get well. Who am I to call them petty? I mean, you know, I don't know what was going on with those two, but still, I mean, at some point though, you you gotta just look past that and 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 make some money for crying out loud. How do you do this song without him? How do you do this song without him? How do you how do you go on tour and and do the chain without Lindsey Buckingham for crying out loud? Bring Lindsey back. Saw these guys at the. Never forget this. It was. 1979. Holy crap. I saw them in 79. Wow. At the Kemper Arena in Kansas City. Is the Kemper Arena still around in Kansas City? I've, I've not heard of that. It was just like the arena here. It's just, you know, a big bowl with a lid on it. I have a picture of myself stand, of my feet that I took with my razor phone of my feet standing on the exact spot where the bass drum was standing when, he, when this was recorded. The mixed drums at the plant at Sausalito. What was that? Oh, I was at the plant in Sausalito in the B room um, where they recorded rumors. And, oh, uh, I went out in the big room like we're standing in now. Nice. I, I stood where, where the engineer told me the drum set was at, and I just took a picture of my feet on my crappy razor. So it's awesome, a, man! It's like a ten kilobyte picture that I can't even blow up. To like, yeah, good old days, razors. Yeah, mm-hmm. still my favorite phone, but whatever. I saw them here in St. Louis too when they were here as a group. I think Lindsey Buckingham was with him at the time. wasn't the, too long ago. The big ago. reunion when they got back together yeah. and it cost a fortune to see them. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, that was good. And then... They uh, do Tusk at the end? Yeah. Oh, man. That was a cool tour. I don't know what they did at the end. I don't remember really, but out, it, was, marching band. it was like really a big deal. Yeah, and then um, Stevie Nicks, you know, big into house now, but it's uh, Mama Cass up there all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> can't wear clothes anymore. She's like just rips the the nearest tablecloth off a table and puts it around herself. <laughs> no, don't say that about Stevie Nicks. You say that about Stevie Nicks, dude. Uh, my, I read the McFleetwood book about the whole story and whatever the story about what happened with that band and how he had to file for bankruptcy like in nineties in the nineties. 
I still have a bottle of his wine that he made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was a wine right. guy. Yeah. You have one? Yeah. Wow, dude. You want to buy it? <laughs> yeah, I kind of do. Is it white? No, it's not white wine. It's red wine, right? Yeah, it's a red wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he signed it and everything. What? Yeah, dude. Man, what's up? I need that. I can't remember what it was called, though. Like Fleetwood Wine or something. <laughs> good guess. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, it's good. It was pretty good. I, I don't think I, I don't remember whether I drank it or what I did. Ah, now we're getting somewhere. So you may well, not. The, you the, have the bottle. Yeah. Not the wine. The problem is, I don't think that wine was the kind of wine that you, uh, the mad dog age. I think it becomes, you know, vinegar at that point. I don't know. I got to find the bottle. I'll, I'll find it someplace. It's sitting around someplace. Signed. Yeah. Okay. Signed. Okay. Yeah, he was here in St. Louis. He did something. I can't remember where it was, but it was we a got a cool book event. from him. He signed the, signed the book. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's a cool dude. Yeah, he is. Mick Fleetwood is a very, very cool dude. What about Mac? How's how's Mac doing? He, he okay? He's a group of people who just couldn't get along, could they? You just couldn't pull it off, could you? You just oh. couldn't manage your feelings, could you? And now look at you. Anyway. It's still the best-selling record of the 70s up there with Frampton Comes Alive. Oh, so yeah. It's two, two best-selling albums of the entire 70s. I think Tapestry was in there, too, with Carole King. But uh, every girl had Tapestry. I mean, that was like the girl. The girl. I don't know. Maybe you had it. Everybody had Tapestry. But rumors, man. I had such good memories of Frampton Comes Alive. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that was uh, those were the days, man. We have an update on the internet. How's it? How's it's the Facebook? Fine. Is it good now? Oh yeah, okay, Groovy. Good. Well, good. Then, then, then. Uh, I'm sorry you missed some of the show, uh, but just an update for you. It's seven o'clock. We're going to have Austin Peterson on with us, and not just. I, I told his people. I said I'm not going to sit there and obsess over this tape. I just want. I haven't talked to Austin Peterson in a while, but I also want him to address the tape because you know all the people who listen to it and share it on Facebook and stuff. They want to know. What's up? And so I'm going to have him on. And it just so happens Cortland Sykes is going to be here uh, at about 8 o'clock. And he's going to be in the studio with us. 8.30, we're going to have Doug Giles chiming in. So that's going to be cool. And what is today, Thursday? Yes, it is. Technically, uh, I think I'm going to – I should have Genevieve Wood on. I need to probably get a hold of her and uh, and and figure out what's up there because I think Genevieve Wood is normally on around this time. And I guess i got to figure out when we're going to get Jimmy Hoffman. I think I'm going to have him on, on on Friday, so we're going to follow up on that. So Doug Giles, though, will be in at about 8.30 at his usual well, – not his usual time, but 8.30 is his usual time, but not usual day. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. What's your favorite one? I, 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 I still, I still like "Show Me the Way." One of my favorites. That's the the Heil Talk Box, right on. There it is. He still tours, right? Yeah. How's he sound? You know, he's good. He sounds great. He can still pull this off. Nineteen seventy-six. To relate to, to see. Thirteen years old. Rocket this thing. 
good memories of that. I can teach the guitar on this if you want to learn some guitar. It's pretty easy. Right? Yeah. That was the whole, uh, the bicentennial yeah. year. and I collect the quarters. Oh, yeah. I still have them. I have a yeah. big, huge pile of them. It's, a, it's kind of a fun, innocuous time in our American history. That was around the time that the aspirin in my life changed, which was the, 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 the so many poisons, the Tylenol. Yeah. And then I realized that people were really actually evil. And that's my. That's around the year that happened. I remember that. I always wanted to do a documentary of sorts on the Tylenol guy, and. And gradually searching around America for the Tylenol guy, so we could all kick his ass. That would be, I'm in. So, 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 what you would do is you gradually go across the country and pick people up. And so, by the time you had you got to him, you'd have like two thousand, three thousand, four thousand people behind you, all wanting to kick his ass because they can't open anything anymore, right? Because of him. Every time you have to, you can't get into a bottle of water or yep. some kind of package or something like that. You curse the Tylenol guy. Seminal moment in, in American history. Life no doubt. Changed. It, it changed for me because I realized it really showed me that there was scary stuff in the world. You know, that it was, I was young. I was, yeah. I mean, so, yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, and what a was jerk. Yeah, and, you know, and, and not only that, though, he never... People like that who are that sick usually would take some responsibility for it. Like you'd want to, like you'd think that somebody would brag about the fact that yeah, I'm a Tylenol guy. <laughs> like you are. Yeah. I imagine we're gonna have some. Maybe there's some big thing, and there's gonna be like this 98 year old dude sitting there, there somewhere. Go. I'm the Tylenol. God, what you know? I regret everything. It's like, yeah, no. that'd be a good one because that, yeah, that changed, changed, changed everybody's lives. Huh? Yeah, for me, it was. I'm it was surprised major. it's not done more often though, because you could easily poison anything, really. Yeah. Syringe. Yeah. Except then there's that one guy who decided, I know what I'll do. I'll syringe this gallon of milk, and then he syringes it and starts squirting all over him. Oops, that didn't work. <laughs> Poison is, uh, itself. <laughs> it starts squirting like back a body python sketch. Yeah, because that that would be part of the, that would be part of the movie. Is that is that um, there'd be there'd be a, like a little uh, part of the movie, like a scene where there's a bunch of people trying Copy to do what he did, fail. but it backfires right, on yeah. them. <laughs> they poison themselves, or they do something that'll blow up themselves, or whatever. But right. I'm surprised actually that's not done more often. Like people don't just walk by an apple and just like wipe some poop on it or something. <laughs> they probably do. That's the problem. Or how many people really do how many people really do when they get a gallon of milk check them check to make sure the pin, top has to come off right. it, you know, or something. Yeah. But that was really that took some that took some real sickness to do that to our milk. Our, our Tylenol, but it changed. It did. It did indeed change the world. Let me tell you. All right. Speaking of uh, changes, how about this? So Brooke Baldwin, who I actually, of all the people on CNN, Brooke Baldwin is probably the one 
who bothers me the least because I have seen her be fair before, which I, I, I like that. I mean, imagine how, how desperate we are for some degree of fairness from our media that when we find somebody who is just simply remotely fair, like we'll ask like a fair question of somebody who will uh, just uh, – we celebrate them. We, we worship them. We're like the, the, the gods must be crazy seeing the Coke bottle. We're like, oh, you're fair, you know? Mm-hmm. And when actually this should be expected at all times, but unfortunately it's not. And so we're so desperate to find somebody out there in the enemy media who's going to be fair. And Brooke Baldwin asked uh, Senator Tammy Baldwin uh, of Wisconsin. Now, Tammy Baldwin, I've known since I was like 22 years old. Tammy Baldwin was, when I was in Madison, Wisconsin, and I uh, graduated college, and I worked for a radio station uh, WTDY, everybody, WTDY AM, Madison, Wisconsin. And it was like an all news station. So we had like Rush Limbaugh on the station at the time. And it was WTDY. And I was a news reporter then. And I actually loved, this is where I really learned to write and write fast. I'd cover city council, county government, and state government. And because Madison was the capital too. And so I'd run around with my recorder, and this is where you really learn to, like, you know, just tap things out, be succinct, blah, 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 because you'd have to do, like, uh, 50-second packages, so to speak. So I'd have to go – I'd go – and this is where in the day when, you know, you didn't have a cell phone, so you had, you had to go to a phone someplace, sometimes even a pay phone, mm-hmm. and call in your story, and – at the time, it was so crazy. You, I'd have a recorder, like a tape recorder, cassette, cassette right. tape recorder, mm-hmm. and then I had a coupler. Yeah, and and it was like a rubber coupler. <laughs> wow! And and the rubber cu- coupler, you'd you'd wrap around the uh, talking end of the receiver, and 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 you'd have a coupler there, and it would be like a like a rubber, and it would flip, so that you could talk. All right, so I would talk into the telephone. You guys can't see this on the stream, but so I so I'd, I'd have a receiver in my hand. This is a receiver, people. For those of you who, <laughs> I have a I have an old school forties uh, uh, dial phone at home uh, that actually still works and rings, and actually you can still talk on it. But it's the dial phone, and you should have seen it when I one time had Lily try to dial the phone. Mm. Yeah, it's just it's crazy. Anyway, so. I had a coupler, so I'd, I'd do my report, and I'd have to talk into I'd talk into the phone, right? And then, then when I was ready to play the sound bite, I would have to put the uh, flip the coupler over the over the voice part of the of the of the receiver, and then push play and play a sound bite from my thing, and then come back and finish up the story. That's how we did it back in the day. Crazy man, that is. I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have changed it for the world, but it was it was a it was a really uh, cool thing. But anyway, so I report. And at the time, Tammy Baldwin was a county council person in uh, a Dane County council person, and and now and now she's a now she's a U.S. senator. So I'm watching her on TV here, and uh, 
Brooke Baldwin asked her a pretty interesting question that you will uh, hear thusly. At this time of year. But here's a question for Democrats, because you hear the president now, you know, a lot on a lot of topics. And this one inc inc included, you know, looking back to previous administrations. Brooke Baldwin's kind of pretty, too. I was going to say, is she like their Megyn Kelly? Or like, yeah, I was looking at a bunch of pictures of her. She's not. Uh... She's a lot prettier than Megyn Kelly. I actually never really found Megyn Kelly that pretty. Uh, well, they, they should have done more, right? And so as so many people in this country are certainly outraged by the cages and the thermal blankets and the facilities housing these kids, you know, they were all there in 2014 under President Obama. And my question to you, Senator Baldwin, is did you speak up against them then? You know, on, the, on this issue... Uh, did you or didn't you? ...that we get into a moment where we're making progress and then when it, uh, when it stalls, uh, we turn around. I think we all need to continue to be focused on it and press it through. That doesn't seem to be much of an answer to me. Nope. Yet. The American people need confidence that we can solve problems. Nobody believes that... Now, are we going to see if Brooke Baldwin let her get away with it or not? <laughs> yeah. Because basically we have... We're about 52 seconds into a minute 35 clip. So you have to determine whether or not her the Tammy Baldwin filibuster worked. We have... Uh, an immigration system that works. It is broken. It needs fixing. But we've just got to resolve to do that. But were you worried about it then? Ooh. Wow. Good I... job, Brooke. Did you raise your voice under the Obama administration? I love how she, she just sat there and let Tammy Baldwin kind of babble on mm -hmm. and probably didn't hear a word she said because she was waiting for her to answer the question. And they just went back to it like nothing had just happened. You know, in numbers of cases, usually uh, I remember a constituent who was in detention at the border, uh, arguably uh, very inappropriately. Um, and we, uh, you know, we raised our voice in that instance and many <laughs> others. But that's, uh, we've got to do this now in unison. It's not enough to do it case by case or senator or house member by house member. We've got to resolve to fix this issue. Yeah. So in other words, no. Yeah. Right, Tammy Baldwin? And I guess I have to tell you that Tammy Baldwin hasn't been the most obnoxious among all the people in terms of her, her voice. But still, the fact that it was actually uh, broached is, is great. Here's the number for Austin Peterson, brother man. Thank you. Thank He's you. in Kansas City, where I'm going to be next Wednesday. I'm going to be there to do the Tony Minetti deal with Sarah Palin coming oh. in to endorse him. Awesome. So I'm going to be I'm going to be emceeing that event. I, I don't want people to think that that is an endorsement of Tony Minetti, but if I'm asked to do something for any of these guys, I'll do it. I've told them that, so I just want you to know that I'm I'm an equal opportunity player here. And yeah, go ahead, bud. Yeah, go ahead and get him on. Get him on. Get him on. Get on. Come on, Austin Peterson. <laughs> Come on, man. Answer the phone. Answer the damn phone. I know you're back there. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Jamie. Buddy, yes, indeed. And it's, it's great to have you on. And uh, I, I haven't talked to you in a while, man. I saw, by the way, your people were definitely representing 
at the big uh, warrior and the wild man throwdown palooza out there at Discovery Design. So it was great to see some of your uh, your folks who were working so hard for you. I love I, one of the things I noticed right off the bat about Austin, Heather Coyle and the rest of the gang out there. Uh, one of the things I noticed right off the bat about the uh, about the uh, the team that Austin put together right off the bat is that, man, do they love Austin, and, man, are they hard workers. So it's great to see th- them oh, out there. Thanks for thank representing. You. Thanks so much. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, they're all fired up to fire Claire. I mean, the grassroots have been looking for a candidate, and, uh, you know, I'm aiming to make myself the strongest to beat Claire McCaskill. And, you know, we talked – I think the last time we talked, I had shown you that poll where I was up by 16 points. I don't know if you saw the new one that came out with Josh Hawley versus her last week, but he's six points behind her taking on water. So, I mean, I sort of feel like Dirty Harry looking at the Republican Party like, do you feel lucky, punk? Do you want to take a risk on this guy? <laughs> that, that's pretty funny. And, and that's really bad news uh, for Claire McCaskill, not only for her in terms of the numbers, but it's really bad news for Josh Hawley. The fact that she's only six points ahead of him is one thing, but the fact that he's behind her – is another thing, and that's the headline because it's like, man, you got to be kidding me. After all this, after President Trump does 19 points ahead of Hillary Clinton in Missouri, and you got a guy yeah. who's running against her who's six points underwater, no way. Yeah, you should be in a state where Trump won by 19 points. The fact that I'm 16 points ahead of Claire should not be a surprise. This is you should we should comfortably take this seat this fall. Uh, but when you kind of look at the data and the cross tabs, I mean, Pauly has sort of damaged himself with the Republicans, uh, which is part of the problem because um, the data shows that I'm 22. I do 22 points better with Republicans than Josh Hawley does, which might suggest that some people might want to keep their attorney general where he is. And we do have some good options in the primary. I can't tell you how many people have come up to me and said, Austin. You know, I was for Josh Hawley, but I'm I'm just so glad that you're running because now that I've changed my mind, I was looking for someone to support who is a true constitutionalist, somebody who's like a Rand Paul, a Mike Lee, or a Ted Cruz. Uh, so I've got their votes in the primary. But it's a crowded field, like you said. You know, there's uh, we'll see what happens. But right now, I'm feeling pretty good. We got two months to go. All right. So then, uh, also, I told Heather I was going to ask you about this because uh, by now you're aware of of the tape uh, making its way around. Uh, that that that. Let me see. I'm going to find you've 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 heard the tape, right? Yeah, I've heard it. It was like from an Instagram live stream, a like a casual chat I was having with some of my supporters a few years ago. Yeah, let me let me just let me just do this real quick, and then I'll let you address it here. Hold on. Go ahead. Uh, no, closed borders is for commies, actually. Uh, closed borders was actually. Uh a communist idea, because Karl Marx was the one who was uh, complaining about, like, surplus Irish labor. So if you're closed for closed borders, then congratulations, you're a freaking commie. <laughs> so uh, so I'm, 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 watch, I'm watching the tape, and first of all, there's a few edits in there that I, I, don't, under, I don't understand. Uh, but, but obviously this has been something that, that has been talked about. It's not be, I've, I've, I've heard of many libertarians talking about the open border concept. And, of course, since it's being passed around and since it clearly is an issue uh, f- uh, that, that people need to have you address because otherwise they're yeah. going to just assume you're for open borders, what is your, what is your viewpoint now on this matter? Sure. Well, open borders, the question there is semantics, right? So I'm not an anarchist. I also believe the United States is a sovereign nation and that we have the right to defend our borders. The question is, is do we want to 
turned into something like the Berlin Wall. You know, I, I come from the old Reagan like, wing of the Republican Party. You know, they tended to be much more welcoming, and they hated the type of people who were for building walls. I remember when we used to celebrate Ronald Reagan and his chant, tear down this wall. Uh, and the thing is, is that borders or walls that can be used to keep people out can also be used to keep people in. Frankly, if the Obama administration was talking about building a massive border wall on our southern border, I would be very deeply offended by someone trying to fence me in, <laughs> someone like that trying to fence me in. And, and I just remember the tight fist of authoritarianism of Walter Ulbricht and of Nikita Khrushchev and the way that they walled in their own people in East Berlin and the GDR. Uh, I, a lot of times, I don't talk about this little portion of my life, but I spent a little bit of time working for a man who used to sneak things across the wall. Um, he used to sneak things like fax machines and books by Milton Friedman and others across the Berlin Wall. Uh, and so I'm always going to be a little bit on the lookout for people who want to put things like guard towers and mines and and uh, and people with sniper rifles on our southern border because you know, I, I guess I just don't trust the feds, Jamie. I really don't trust the feds. Uh, I, I, I remember what happened with the Bundy Ranch when they came and they were going to try and steal that guy's cattle. And I just can't help but wonder if the feds came down and they were going to do, you know, 10 years of land acquisitions on the southern border because two-thirds of that is privately owned and the eminent domain will be an absolute nightmare. If the feds come down there and there's another Bundy down there, are we going to side with the feds or are we going to side with the rancher? Um, you know, there's, there's, a, there's our massive problems that cannot be solved by one simple solution that everybody would like. I wish there was, but there isn't. Uh, and uh, I stand for freedom and I stand for liberty. doesn't mean that I want open borders, as people understand it. I think that we ought to have border security. But I think that we're, set, we're ready to sacrifice the civil liberties of Americans on stop and frisk within 100 miles of the southern border. And we're ready to sacrifice our conservative principles for eminent domain. And we're ready to raise taxes and raise spending to build a massive FDR-style public wall. Also, remember, there was, you know, the communists did build the Great Wall of China. <laughs> um, you know, again, I'm, just, I'm suspicious of anything the federal government does as a matter of habit. Um, you know, it doesn't mean that I don't believe in border security because I do. Uh, but I just think that we've we've sort of gotten away from the Reagan-esque legacy that we had, which was one of a positive, you know, welcoming nation. And here's the thing, Jamie, too. And I, I really want to talk about this because what I think is the problem now is people want people are telling me they want less legal immigration. If you can't say that you want less illegal immigration and less legal immigration, because as a matter of course, if you limit legal immigration, you're going to get more illegal immigration. The solution is to fix the system that we have now so that it's easier to legally immigrate. Now, the, the harder you make it to legally immigrate, the more illegal immigration you're going to have. That's just supply and demand, my brother. Yeah, I, I agree with the uh, – now, the restriction of legal immigration, like, for instance, I believe – that we need to reassess the diversity program, I, uh, visa program. I believe we need Agreed. to reassess the tech visa program, uh, which has been ultimately abused. And I think th the problem I think you're, you're getting at is that regardless of what one's view of immigration happens to be, we do know that both Democrats and Republicans have completely abdicated their responsibility 
to manage the immigration system in this country. So whether it be Republicans overseeing the like George Bush overseeing a huge influx across the border and doing nothing about it, or for instance, when you see Clinton uh, performing better when it comes to uh, nailing employers who are hiring illegal aliens than than for instance Bush was doing, or when you see. Uh, Democrats who just don't want hardly any enforcement of the border, these people have all uh, suckered us and deceived us and and worked against us. And so now we have all these huge problems that otherwise could have been fixed had we just managed them properly from the beginning. Right. Well, there's the old joke that the the, the Republicans and Democrats won't do anything about immigration because Republicans want the labor and Democrats want the votes. Uh, and, you know, there's a there's a hint of truth to that. But also, like what you mentioned earlier, uh, what I was saying about Karl Marx, I mean, there are a lot of pernicious economic fallacies that still exist to this day. Um, and there are some conservatives who accept some of the arguments that Karl Marx made in regards to labor. As a matter of fact, Bernie Sanders was out. He, he chastised the Koch brothers. You know, the, Bernie Sanders was saying that the Koch brothers, that's a, yeah, the open borders is a Koch brothers idea and stuff like that. Well, you know, I, I happen to trust the Koch brothers and their views of economics more than I trust Bernie Sanders. You know, and if that's a, if that's a strike against me as a Republican, well, then I guess I'll just take it. Uh, but the problem is, is that we don't understand how the laws of supply and demand operate in the labor markets. Now, Migrants and refugees, people seeking asylum, this is a completely different matter. And are, there, are the Democrats to blame in part for allowing this policy to continue for decades? Yes. Did Obama do the same thing? Yes. But did the president have the authority to take the action that he took yesterday to roll back, using an executive order to roll back the zero tolerance policy that he instituted? Of course he did. But we need legislative fixes. Um, I didn't have time to read Ted Cruz's bill, but from what I understand, it addressed the same problem. But Chuck Schumer didn't want that. He wanted to force a he wanted to force Trump to go back on on what he said he was going to do, which right. is what uh, ultimately Chuck Schumer did. But you can't cow down to these boys. I mean, like you know, Trump has a lot of power and a lot of good uh, goodwill amongst his supporters. You know, he's got it. I think he does need to take a tougher stand against people like Chuck Schumer. And this does, this should have been done legislatively, you know, before, because that then the executive order could have been unnecessary. But he did have the authority to do that. It's a very complex issue. Uh, you know, and we're talking about human rights, human rights. We're talking about people who are, you know, who are with their families. Some of them are asylum seekers. And a lot, you know what the big problem is, Jamie Allman, and nobody wants to talk about is that a lot of these people are fleeing violence from these South American countries as a direct result of our federal war on drugs. But you know what? There's another thing that the Republicans are going to get their hair up on their on the back of their necks because we real, we got to tell people how to live their lives and what to do with their bodies. So we need a $27 billion a year war on our own people that's going to, you know, the Mexicans, by the way, we, we complain about the, the, uh, the people coming north. Well, the government of Mexico is tired of all the money coming south. They're tired of all the drug money coming south that is fueling the cartels and fueling the violence in this country that are driving the people north. So until we can start to address the underlying problems, we're going to continue to put Band-Aids on bullet wounds, and we're going to continue to have this fight, and nothing's going to get done. You know, Austin, one of the interesting aspects you just mentioned about the drug war 
And again, I, I do believe that the Mexican government is not doing enough to keep these people from coming across the border. And I do believe that they ought to do it. I think sometimes they're unloading some of their refuge, so to speak, onto the, the United States of America. But on the other hand, when you, when you talk about the drug war, I think one of the things people don't realize is that, is that this, is, this, this is not – the cartels are not running cocaine. Well, they some of them are, uh, and heroin, that kind of thing. But the main good that has been basically is being uh, pushed by the cartels, it's marijuana. People don't want to own up to the fact that a lot of what's going on here uh, it, with the cartels is moving weed. That's what they're doing. People forget that because they want to think, oh, that's just cocaine. It's not really it, – it, uh, it's predominantly weed. Yeah, Americans have a massive appetite for drugs, and because uh, because of our massive appetite for pharmaceuticals, you know, there's going to be it's a, so again it's a supply and demand. We have an infinite amount of demand for Mexican drugs, uh, and so there will be an infinite amount of supply. The only the only way to cut that off is to remove the is to remove the incentives for it to move from Mexico to the United States and have it manufactured the the, the substances manufactured in the United States where they can be seen operated and controlled under the type of regulatory policies that the states would give, not the federal government, because one, the federal government does not have the proper constitutional authority to regulate these substances, and two, the, the federal government destroys everything it touches. I, I trust the states to make these kinds of policies more than I would trust the federal government. But again, the, the cartels, like the MS-13 gangs, like you said, yes, they, they do a massive amount of this, of this substance, uh, and, and it moves into the United States with traffickers, and along with it comes child trafficking and, and, and a lot of violence and a lot of danger. So, so again, until we uh, address the underlying problems, we're going to continue to have these kinds of crises. Um, but, you know, one other thing that I want to mention on this, on this immigration topic is the fact that when our economy is bad, we actually have immigration to the south, meaning that when, it, when we don't have enough jobs here in the United States for many of these migrants to fill, uh, uh, they tend to go south. <laughs> and Trump has actually reduced, just by taking a stricter stance on immigration, he's actually reduced the amount of people who are coming here. You're, you're going to have an, an, an amount of people, there's going to be just a certain amount of people every year that are going to try and come to the United States. And how we deal with those and the policies that we have, as long as we're respecting the constitutional rights of Americans, not taking away American civil liberties, and as long as we don't have a welfare state that incentivizes them, and if we didn't have a federal war on drugs that drives them north, and if we had proper policies in place to ensure that these children are not being trafficked, well, then we can reach what I would say, you know, it, there's no utopia, there's no panacea, but at least a much better policy than we have today. But you know what? Hey, if you're reasonable anymore, you're open borders. If you're unreasonable, you're for the you're a communist for a, <laughs> the Berlin Wall. Some people are extremists, Jamie. I'm just not. I just happen to think that, you know, we need to have processes in place. We need to have a proper rule of law. And we need to not forget that our legal system is broken. It needs to be reformed. Trump said that. We need comprehensive immigration reform, and I agree with him. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And, and one of the things about your the tape of you uh... – I, I, one of the funny when, when was this tape made? Because uh, you, first of all, I, I enjoyed the vaping part of it. I thought that was um, you like <laughs> it was you were about, probably about two, two years ago. Two years ago, I was just poking fun because um, you know, again, like some people do forget the, the excesses of the Berlin Wall. I mean, they were shooting people that were trying to yeah. come across. You know, yeah. I just think that, hold on and call themselves fascists. In two weeks, you'll be socialist. 
polyamorous transsexual Democrats. That's what happens when you're 15. <laughs> so you're just, I mean, a lot of it's just you riffing on, I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I'm- uh, I think I think I'm about two beers and a whiskey in. Yeah. And, oh uh, yeah. Sitting there vaping on my on my back porch. <laughs> but, but yeah, I like I like to poke fun of comedy. But but Jamie, we've talked about progressive influence in the Republican Party for quite some time. I mean, when I talk about those pernicious labor myths, I mean it it, it does feel like we're going back in time, you know, to a time when people had forgotten the lessons that Milton Friedman and and others have taught us. You know, he, you know, Milton Friedman did say specifically, you cannot have open borders in a welfare state. Europe has that problem right now. They'll give you a free apartment if you come to Europe. But in the United States, we also have incentives here. So you've got to remove the incentives. And uh, I, I just happen to think that going through a massive uh, land acquisition process. Uh, I, let's finish with this, Jamie. Let's ask the question. If it takes 20 years to, to go through all the lawsuits to steal all the land from those Republicans in Texas, how long does a, a president serve if they serve for two years or for two terms? I don't know. Eight years, right? So eight years. If it takes us 20 years, by the time we get all that land snatched up by the federal government, you know, it's not going to get built, which is why I propose the compromise. Let's have the Trump Corporation buy up all the land on the southern border, do it voluntarily, put hotels and casinos down there, and we'll have and, and they have some of the best security in the world. That way no everybody's happy. It's totally capitalistic and we'll have border security. Yeah. You're not gonna get anywhere with me asking me math questions, dude. I I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a two yeah, point but, yeah. I'm a two point six, yeah. man. I mean that's just what I what I am. <laughs> Uh, okay, and one, yeah. and one quick thing, and, and, and I think we, we've already discussed this, and, and even with the tape, and there's some t- comments about President Trump on there as well, uh, and then mm-hmm. candidate Trump. But listen, we've been through this. I, I know uh, I was one of the biggest Trump supporters around. I know that you were not initially a Trump supporter. Uh, that, that has never bothered me. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, and it never bothers me that we have in, like for instance up there at the Pre- Freedom Caucus. You know, Rand Paul sometimes has been one of President Trump's biggest detractors, and sometimes he's been one of President Trump's biggest supporters. Ted Cruz, mm-hmm. uh, Mike Lee, these guys up there who are the the grown ups in the building as a, as compared to like the McCain's and the Jeff Flakes and those guys. But these are mm-hmm. these are pr- pretty. Pr- I think you're cut from that cloth a little bit with this Freedom Caucus thing, and so I'm more than happy to have somebody up there who will be just as fine with President Trump when he's right, and just as uh, a stickler when he, when they think he's wrong. I, I just don't have any problem with that. Well, can I say something like the the the, the, the crappy thing about being in my position, and when you're being totally honest, it doesn't help you a lot. So like Josh Hawley, for example, I think he doesn't believe a lot of the things that he says when he openly agrees with the president on certain policies, because I know what cloth he's cut from. He's cut from more of the George Bush style neoconservative wing of the Republican Party. That's why so many of them are supporting him. So I don't believe that I don't buy into his fake populist uh, act one single bit. This is a guy who went to Yale, for God's sakes. Um, but the, but the thing is, is for me is that, you know, I, I, I get punished for being honest because, you know, people always, they threaten me with Trump, right? They threaten me with him. It's like, how dare you disagree with him? How, even when he says things like we need to ban firearms, accessories, and executive orders, my opponent, Josh Hawley says, oh yes, Mr. President, let's move swiftly to do something that that's to the left of the Obama administration instead of, and I get dinged or punished 
for staying strong on the Second Amendment is saying, hey, 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 no, 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 no. Let's let's stick with our with our Constitution, our Second Amendment, and not and not bow to the fickle whims of a, of a tyrannical mob, right? There's no tragedy, no matter how great, that justifies taking away the rights of innocent people. Uh, but of course, Josh Hawley alternatively turns around and bends the knee immediately. And of course, he's Mitch McConnell's boy. Um, he's the he's the golden boy of the GOP establishment and the elite. And and of course, the problem is is that I think that he's he's feigning loyalty to the president when in reality he's going to get in there and he's going to do the same thing to Donald Trump that he did to Eric Greitens. Um, because I just think that the, the the people behind him are the ones that he ultimately serves, the ones who are bankrolling him. And President Trump, you know, love him or hate him, you know, doesn't have the time to look into the Republican primaries, Missouri, and say. Hey, that kid Austin disagrees with me from time to time, but he knows how to kick ass and take names like I do. I think Trump and I'd be great friends. I think we agree on 80 to 90 percent of things. I'd be one of his strongest allies in Congress. But unfortunately, the people in Missouri, because we're all so polarized with the Trump thing, it's like, well, if you're not 100 percent loyal, well, then you don't have my vote. Well, you know, Josh is more than willing to lie and to bend the knee in order to get power. Uh, I'm not willing to do that. I have to live the rest of my life with a, with a conscience and uh, I have to serve all of the people of Missouri even the people who don't vote for me. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable uh, statement to make. And I think in the end, we're just going to have to have people up there who we can count on to be uh, not just your typical never Trump detractors, but people who can actually mm-hmm. just assess the things as they are. Have you, by the way, had any con- I mean, contact with the Trump administration? Or do, do, they, do you think they even, like I know Tony Minetti and these guys, they, 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 President Trump actually went from zero to Hawley in in, uh, in in so quickly. I'll never forget that. I was kind of like thinking, well, who got to him and told him already that Hawley was the front runner? I thought that was kind of bizarre. Right. Yeah. We don't we don't know, but we just think that probably some one of somebody that he trusted, you know, a Mitch McConnell or a Karl Rove, somebody that that he knows is close to him and just pointed. Out. Also, remember Mike Pence supported Josh Hawley as well. Right. Uh, so that that probably that probably had something to do with it. But I, I'm not too worried about it. You know, Jamie, probably one of the reasons why I'm 16 points ahead of Claire McCaskill is probably is because and and I I take votes away from Claire McCaskill and and I get the young people instead of her and I get women instead of Claire McCaskill by like 19 points. Probably the reason is because, you know, the, the independents that are necessary for us to win, they don't want a yes man. Uh, the problem is, is that the Republican primary is a bit of a purity test. And then, of course, when you get into a general election, if you've skewed too far one way, it makes you unelectable like the last guy that went up against her. But Missourians have a very strong independent streak. They probably want to send somebody to Washington, D.C., who is their own man. Uh, and again, you know, Claire McCaskill is much better at faking being a populist than Josh Hawley is. She's going to beat him at that game. She's very folksy. She's very country. Josh Hawley kind of looks like he's standing up there. He's got to stick up his butt and he's not, you know, he's, you know, there's not a single speck of dirt on his jeans or a scuff on his boots because he hasn't been campaigning out there. So she's going to eat his lunch. And um, the fact that she is willing to that Claire is willing to disagree with the president from time to time might actually make her stronger in a general election. It, you know, just because of what what happened in 2016, we shouldn't count anything out or the mood of the electorate because things can change very quickly. Uh, that's why it's so important to be your own man, stand up for what you believe in the whole time. Not a single other Republican on this ticket, Jamie, has the huevos to say an untoward an untoward word towards the president. There's not a single Republican that I'm running against 
has the gall to disagree with the president when he does something that doesn't align with conservative values, which does happen from time to time. So the question here is, is do you want to, you know, because like, you know, Jamie, a yes man is not an honest man. So I'm the only honest man running the Republican side. I have the same message I've had for years, less government, you know, economic freedom, personal liberty, constitutionalism, support the conservatives of the Senate, no matter who the president of the United States, stick to your principles. And that's what, what I think we should send to D.C. But you know what? I mean, again, you can't you can't please everybody. And you shouldn't try. I'm doing the best I can, and I'm the strongest candidate against Claire McCaskill. Perhaps my detractors ought to take a look at what I'm doing and try and buy some of my secret sauce. Because, frankly, I've got the mojo, and I've got what's going on. I've got what it takes to beat Claire McCaskill. Not a single other Republican right now is pulling as high as I am against her. So you know, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Or your vape contraption, <laughs> whatever vape. that happens to be. All right, Austin <laughs> Peterson. <laughs> Uh, thanks for thanks for that, and and thanks for answering some of the questions I'm, I'm sure pe- people have. And I, I have to tell you, Claire McCaskill is pretty slick. One of the things I went on a tirade about uh, a while back was I sat there I, I, when I saw the picture in the uh, Post Dispatch of her sitting right next to Mike Parson. I'm thinking to myself. You've got to be kidding me that the Republicans allowed this to happen, allowed this optic mm-hmm. to happen, allowed Claire McCaskill to be perched up there like uh, uh, next to next to like royalty next to Mike Parson uh, and to allow the Post-Dispatch to say Claire McCaskill and others. And those others mm-hmm. were our Republican congressional delegation. Like, you've got to be kidding me. Who let this happen? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm just telling you, Listen, she she can it, she can worm her way into the Republican establishment faster than the speed well, of light. Well, well, she has. I mean, listen, Jamie. One other thing, like you've seen these rumors about Eric Greitens potentially running for this Senate seat, right? Yeah. Right. So that's got to be a Claire McCaskill con job, right? Because right. there was no source, no comment from Eric Greitens. That's the kind of shenanigans that she's playing. She's going to want to uh, stir up that kind of discord so that the Republicans are eating each other alive and we continue to fighting until we get into this fall. Now, again, Josh Hawley, the reason why I'm performing 22 points better with Josh is because he's damaged himself over the last year. It doesn't matter what you think of Eric Brighton's or not. We've got to have a Republican who can turn out conservatives to the polls, like actually get people fired up and be excited to have someone to show up for this November. Otherwise, Claire McCaskill, she's going to have more tricks up her sleeve. I guarantee you she's got bombs to drop the day after the primary is over. So no matter who the primary winner is, I hope they're ready because you're going to have to be a lion. Claire McCaskill's got a lot to play. She's got a lot of cards to play, and they've been sending around their trackers to all of these events that I'm at, so I know they're following around Josh Hawley, so he better get out of the gym and get his butt out on the campaign trail. All right, Austin Peterson, thanks for the time, man. Appreciate you. Thanks. Take okay. care. Bye. Thanks, you too. So, yeah, um, that tape, I guess you guys can. You guys have seen it on on Facebook, and so you can assess it for what it Everybody is. Everybody, <clears throat> simmer down on Facebook, okay? Let's all get along now. It's What's not, the matter? It's not personal. Hey, he's, <clears throat> when he comes on, it it gets personal. People yeah, are, people are slinging slinging some insults, and people are calming down a little bit. And uh, well, got, you know, got a little heavy for a second there, but <laughs> it's all good. Like Minetti people or Peace whatever. Um, just not, sex. not Austin people. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, no, I mean, it, listen, as things wind down towards August, things get a little t- tougher, uh, down the line. And I, I, and I get that, uh, you know, I'm, you all 
certainly have the wherewithal to figure this out yourselves. Uh, I am am not going to be a person who's I, I'm not I'm going st- to I'll ask questions. I mean, I'm the one who brought up the tape, uh, and, and so you know we're we're trying to be. I'm going to I'm going to let him respond to the tape. I I, I having been a, a, a constant seemingly a constant victim of people drawing conclusions without evidence or drawing conclusions without my defense of things, I am very attentive to giving people the benefit of the doubt and at least or at least letting them explain what their deal is. And, and so I'm always going to be in that mode. Uh, I am sick and tired of the people who just jump to conclusions, especially when they haven't heard the person's explanation of what of what they're talking about. And so, you know, I've I've had that happen to me countless times. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, thank you, Steve Church, for making this happen, because remember I talked about inside radio? Yeah. Oh, and by the way, I know, I'm sure, believe me, me doing this thing for Tony Minetti in, in Kansas City with Sarah Palin, uh, what, when something's on the internet about me doing that and or on my Facebook page or whatever, I'm sure there will be Austin Peterson folks who will go on and say, you know, Almond's pimping uh, a pimp from hell uh, for uh, for Sarah Palin and Sarah Palin's dumb as a box of rocks and this is typical. This, I mean, you're not a real concern. I, I, I'm going to get it, but yeah. you know what? I I, I understand that, uh, but but as a measure of how ecumenical I try to be, I'm well. I'm going to have Cortland Sykes in the studio here in about a half hour. So he's going to be standing right next to me. And I'll be doing an event for Tony Minetti when Sarah Palin gets in here uh, next week. And I just had Austin Peterson on the air. So I'm trying to give you as much information and as much exposure to these people as as, you, as I possibly can. The only person I really feel bad about uh, that I feel like I've really kind of rooked is Christy Nichols, who uh, has asked to be on the show and then I didn't follow up, and so I think that's the only person I think I've honestly been unfair to. Uh, and I need to kind of correct that because I've kind of been a, I kind of have not followed through on getting her on the air, and so she probably thinks I'm a dick. But I'm going to try to figure that out and, and get it and get it uh, resolved. But I haven't done that yet. But that's the only thing I've only only thing I have I've, the only um, uh, ski gate that I haven't hit yet. What? No, nothing. No, there's eleven candidates. Well, I, I, I what are you I we're talking about? Pfeiffer. I've had I, him on the air incessantly. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know. I wasn't here. I guess. No, you weren't here. I'm sorry, man. Oh, dude. I mean, get it right. Yeah. I mean, it got to the point where we got sick of each other. We saw each other so much. I had him on the air constantly on this friggin' program, dude. You not listen to the program? I do. Okay. He's been out at my events, and I introduced him at my events, and Mm -hmm. so I mean, I know you're a Pfeiffer fan, but dude, don't don't forget that I actually actually has had have had him on the air, and and have actually had introduced him at events and my book signing and and the uh, the the Doug Giles book signing and the and the barbecue. I had him standing here pretty much every three days. Oh, yeah. Sorry, that's right. Just helps to pay attention sometimes before you make those statements. I just play guitar, man. Well, then why are you Sorry. here? Yeah, good question. <laughs> but I'm, I just play guitar, man. That's not going to help Radio Free Almond. Well, but if here's you need the a thing: guitar player. Would. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, but I'm just telling you, dude. That's that don't 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 parachute out of here with you. I'm just a guitar guy because I need you to be more than that. <laughs> so anyway, 
we uh, inside radio thank you steve church for going through with with this where you uh with inside radio remember they said that i, I my tweet i attacked david hogg remember that yep and the and they within hours changed it here i'll show you oh. i should have put i should have put it on facebook but i didn't do that uh let's see hang on let me just find it. I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. It's great radio. Here. So what happened is they, they initially said that um, – I'll put it on Facebook for you guys. I'll show you how Insider Radio – they change it because here's the deal. These editors and these writers, first of all, just simply write things without knowing anything about what happened. So they're just draw, they just draw conclusions f- uh, based on you know kind of what they – what they've heard, and, and, and that's not journalism. That's not reporting. And especially if you, if, you're, if you call yourself inside radio, why don't you be inside instead of just simply basing things on something you just kind of came up with or you, you heard someplace? So that, that's why you got the, uh, the radio group fired. This is regarding what my, my demand for a jury trial, I think. Mm-hmm. The radio group fired the talker after he attacked Parkland, Florida shooting survivor turned activist David Hogg on Twitter after he attacked. Okay, there it is, which 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 is a falsity. All right. And we talked about that, uh, I guess, it was last week or something when they inside a radio talked about my. So and by the way, this is inside radio. So if you're inside radio. Uh, as opposed to being inside the ass of media executives, which is what Inside Radio is, try getting outside of the ass of media executives and deal with the facts of what happened. How does that? Uh, how about that for you, Insider Radio? This Paul Hine dipstick, he wrote it. So anyway, Steve Church called him right away and said, "Dude, that's not accurate. That that Allman attacked David Hogg on Twitter. I didn't attack David Hogg on Twitter, and I, I didn't even." Tweet David Hogg. Anyway, so immediately, well, it was a matter of like hours before uh, this came up. And it's, it's uh, the radio group fired the talker after he made a controversial post on Twitter. Mm, so they changed it. That's different. Right, yeah. And all it took was a Steve Church phone call to him. <laughs> I mean, come on, people. I mean, if you're, if you're inside radio and you can't get it right, and 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 no offense to Steve Church, but you know Steve Church is just a guy who knows better and knows more and knows how to reach these guys, obviously. But it, it shouldn't take Steve Church to make a phone call to you for you to change a pretty big accusation, right? Yeah, I um, mean it, it shouldn't it shouldn't take uh, just some guy calling you and saying, "Hey, by the way, that didn't happen," and then you change it. I mean. That's I unbelievable, that. dude. That's a, that's uh, that is unbelievable. Hello. Actually, let me push that button there. That was kind of cool. I was trying to find the pick up the phone thing because when I right before Austin was when the phone was ringing, I was doing the pick up the phone. I know your home. Pick up the damn phone. And there's actually a song called. Uh, that that uh, the lyrics are pick up the phone, pick up the phone. I know you're home. It's an old like '80s or like a '70s song, and the dude is like, pick up the phone. I know you're home. You know that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
and and I can't find it for the life of me because if I if I every time I go down the iTunes line of for, that's for, on pick up the phone, I can't find it because everybody else has done a pick up the phone song. Everybody's done a pick up the phone song. Here's a pick up the phone song. So that, the, 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 with mixed results. Hey, baby, I'm having a real bad day. Oh, that doesn't sound very good. A dying light inside him, and I try to tell you something. Oh, she's about to slit her wrist. You better pick up the phone, dude, because she sounds like she's about to take herself out. Some dragonette. got to be somebody out there who knows that song here's a little drums here's here's william beckett let's see what that was that's a horrible song pick up the phone tonight pick up the phone this is phil crown talking like this he don't pick up the phone If you were a chick, would you pick up the phone for this dude? He kind of sounds like he has a Jerry curl, don't you think? Yeah. <laughs> He's got Jerry curl written all over his voice, doesn't he? Does he or doesn't he? Am I right or am you I wrong are about correct. that? Yeah. It's it's yeah. It's like Peter Pfeiffer. If he were black, he'd have a Jerry curl. <laughs> Come on, man. Relax, people. Here's Megan McCormick. Pick up the phone. The girls don't sing it very well. There's a, a new band, Royal Teeth. Now, the, the pick-up-the-phone thing has limited shelf life, I think, now because you really don't pick up a phone anymore. Now you, now you answer a phone, but I guess you could pick up a phone. But yeah. the pick-up-the-phone thing, like nobody really has a phone anymore. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Is anybody telling us whether the, who, this band, who the other guy is? Because I, I, really, I really now am desperate to find that, that song. Because it's an old-school... They're still fighting. FR David. So anyway, those are some really, really bad songs. They really are. There. I like mean, it's just like I, the whole list of, of it's just like mm-hmm. a wasteland. Yeah. Remember that song, Telephone Man? <laughs> Do you remember that song? No, man. Hey, Lolly Lolly. Remember that song? This <laughs> no. chick's talking about, oh, my God, dude. I can't believe you don't remember that song. No, oh, man. Oh, that's like, um, oh, God, dude. I, I, let me see. Hold on a second here. You have to remember that song. Man. No, dude. The chick's talking about the phone, phone guy coming over to fix her phone, and it's all innuendo, and it's, 
Oh, man, it's bad. It's really bad, but funny. How could I not find, by the way, the um, the single of uh, that is 57 channels and nothing on? How can I not find that? It's impossible for me to believe. Talking about Bruce Springsteen? Yeah, Springsteen's uh, 57 Channels and Nothing On. It's it's a really good song, and it it's typical song, of what actually. we're seeing now with uh, with the the internet uh, and 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 the um, the iTunes because they're it's truly you go through the whole thing, and it's like man, it's true. There there are 57 channels and nothing on. Here we go. This is a. Uh, I, you know, I, uh, Springsteen's one of those guys that, you know, you can disagree with his politics, but I cannot possibly not listen to his music. I, I, I just think he's... This is one of my favorite albums, Human I Touch. I bought a bourgeois house in the Hollywood Hills with a trunk load of $100,000. Which album is this? Man Human Touch. To Cable TV, we settled in for the night, my baby and me. We switched round and round till half past dawn. There was 57 channels and nothing on. 57 channels and nothing This is when Springsteen had 57 channels and two albums released on. at the same time. It was Human Touch and Lucky Town. Well now, home entertainment was my baby's wish. Ba- basically so at the same time. The town for a satellite dish. What you say, man? You'll learn uh, stars. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. I thought, man. I thought I was wrong. Yeah, true. I mean, it really. If people, if I had to like, if I had to choose like my favorite Springsteen albums, it would be probably Lucky Town and Human Touch. They're just awesome. You like Bruce Springsteen? A little bit. Do you like his, is it his music or his politics that bother you? No, nothing about his politics. It's just musically, I don't know. What do you mean? Um, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. Something about the vocals and the, I think his lyrics are really, really good. Um, his lyrics are great, man. Yeah, so, and that's to me, like, usually the highest bar to, to, to hurdle. But, I mean, he was, when he was young, he was awesome, obviously. Mm. Yeah, I don't, li- I don't like his, his older stuff. So are people um, are people still fighting over the? Um, you, you've diverted them with the music. So I have. You've well played. So uh, have I gotten them then to, to to change their attention to hating Bruce Springsteen? Or uh, some people don't really don't really like him apparently, but some people do. Yeah, so it's a mix. Oh, this politics for sure not. I mean, yeah. I like this song. 
I actually do an acapella version of Thunder Road, you know. I do. Oh, man, baby. Where you can go out with it's one of my favorite songs. Play with all of this toys. But taking care of the darling. How do you like these songs? Ain't for one of the boys. Oh, there's something in your soul, baby. <laughs> that is gonna run. Come on, man. Just loving you, baby. Loving you, baby. Loving you, darling. Loving you, woman, is a man's man's darling. Come on. Who could not love that? One of my I got the fortunes of heaven and diamonds and gold. I got all the bonds, baby, that the this bank one. could hold. Well, I got houses across the country, honey, end to end. And everybody but who wants to be my friend. Well, I got all the riches, baby, and man ever knew. But the only thing I ain't got, honey, I ain't got any. Pretty good. This is old. 87. It's from Tunnel of Love. But yeah, I do. Um, I do it. I will someday when I feel like it. I'll do a. I'll do the acapella. I know every word of it. This is a good one here too. I, I like. And then we'll move on to some stuff. Okay. Just indulge me for a second. I think we just stop fighting with each other over Austin Peterson and Tony Manetti. You know? We <laughs> <laughs> does live concerts like four hours long. Man. Right. That I do get him credit for, for sure. Yeah. The guy's good to his fans. And the Patty. Well, brunettes are fine, man, and blondes are fun, but when it comes to getting a dirty job done, I'll take a red-headed woman, a red-headed woman, it takes a red-headed woman to get a dirty job done. Wow, man, people are ripping on it, man, what's up? You know, they hate him, don't they? Well, yeah. listen up, studger. Life's been wasted till you cool. got down on your knees and tasted a red-headed woman. People, really? What Bruce. just happened there? A red-headed woman. It takes a red-headed woman get a dirty job done. Well, maybe I'll, I'll let you... Maybe it'll calm you down a little bit. He sometimes sings country music better than country we music guys. We'd walk together... Live version of this Baby, is great. He does it in he does it in a two step form. That I should fall behind. Should we lose our way? People really hate him. No, I mean, yeah. As we're walking, <laughs> Come on, people. Really? My people hate Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> Lisa, Lisa Hampton. Isn't it time for trials or just? <laughs> I guess I liked him before I knew who he was because I liked Blinded by the Light, the Manfred Mann version, when I was a kid, a lot. So I liked Springsteen before we I liked each other. It's the uh, two-step version. It's 
really pretty good. And then I'll move on, okay? Just 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 let me let me slide here cuz now you got me going. I don't even know how I got going on the Springsteen stuff. I was Wasn't trying me. to get people to stop, mm-hmm. you know, fighting. fighting with each other. They did. You did that. Now they're now they're fighting about Springsteen, me. right? We said we'd walk together We become one man Then come the twilight Should we lose our way If as we're walking A hand should slip free I will wait for you And if I fall behind Wait for me Oh, this is, this is the version here <laughs> <laughs> They use Springsteen music at Gitmo <laughs> Torture music You're killing them, man favorite version if I should fall behind. This is the uh, two-step version right here. <laughs> this is funny, man. Are you reading these? No. <laughs> I'm just trying to get them from keep them attacking each other and attack me now. Somebody wants some rope to hang themselves. <laughs> no. Go they ahead are. and do it. You won. You got them off the Austin Peterson thing. I hate me some Bruce. <laughs> it's funny, though, because nobody offers any alternative. They just hate. Bruce wrote that for his wedding? Together. Oh, probably the right. Hey, shut up, dude. And then come the twilight. Should we lose our way? If as we're walking, and shall slip free, I'll wait for you. And should I fall behind? There. That's good. Just look it up, will you? Look it up. So we talked about CNN, and we talked about Brooke Baldwin, who's great. One of the people who really is very annoying over there is Allison Camerata, and she is always the one who sits there with her glasses pursed on her nose and just regurgitates lie after lie after lie about whether it be the Trump administration or whether it be Republicans or whatever. And it really takes somebody with balls to go up to her. First of all, I'm glad Republicans appear on CNN. And I'm really happy that they they do. And because you, you know you're going to go in, and I, if you're not up against like an eight-member panel or a nine-member panel, you are suddenly going to be just simply thrown a bunch of lies at you and you're not going to be able to necessarily uh, get back to it. But this guy, Bob Goodlatte, he's uh, from Virginia. He's a Republican. And they're talking about the current immigration crisis and all this kind of stuff. And earlier, Brooke was on with the other Baldwin and asked her, hey, you know, are you, where were you when Obama was doing the whole family separation thing? And by the way, I do want to get in more to the family separations that we see every single day 
all you have to do is go through the foster care system right now and see that kids are taken away from their parents all the time. Now, some of them, rightly so, because of abuse and that kind of thing. But, uh, but there are other kids who are taken away because their parents were accused of this, accused of that. And there are a lot of kids right now in foster care who probably shouldn't be there because the policy of the state hasn't been to keep families together or try to keep families together. It's been almost a reflexive takeaway. You call Division of Family Services on somebody right now, and they will take your child. So in many ways, there are illegal immigrant families being treated better than Americans are being treated every day in this country. Now, I'm not saying that if you are an abuser, you ought to be able to keep your child or your child should be there. You, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't be in a situation like that. But, but there's, a, there's a happy medium there, and there are some legit child takeaways. But for the most part, uh, a lot of cases in this country, you could call Division of Family Services and ruin somebody easily. And the, and just like and the and the cops will be, uh, and the police or the state because they're so afraid of getting sued if something happens, they default to the let's just take the kids thing. Uh, and so it's it's one of those situations where we should I'd love to get some numbers on legit family separations and illegit family separations that go on every single day in this country. And there are many people who, and I talked to Jim Talent yesterday about all this with the drug situation we have right now. There are, and, and I remember having to be, to do this whole thing with Martha Stewart and federal prison and everything else. And I didn't want to do the story. So instead I turned it into something legit, which was all the women serving with her, in, in federal prison. And it turned out most of the women, a lot of the women serving with her, just were there as accomplices because their boyfriends or their husbands were dealing weed. And in the federal criminal system, if you don't tell, you're an accomplice. If, if you don't report and you know somebody is doing something illegal, you are an accomplice and you will be charged with a federal crime. So when the feds bust these guys who were dealing weed out of their house and the girlfriend or the mother knows it's happening but didn't say anything, she's off to federal prison, 18 months, sometimes two years, sometimes five years, depending on the egregiousness of the, of the act of the husband or the, or, the, or, the, or the boyfriend. And then you have to ask yourself, okay, so what, what woman who has like three kids – with some dirt bag uh, when he's dealing weed, even if he's dealing weed and making money, what woman is going to go ahead and cut that spigot off by calling the police on the guy? It just is, it just is human nature. Should she? Yeah. Do the right thing? Yeah. Is it endangering your kids? Yeah, to a certain degree. But you know, there are some people who all they focus on is survival. Some people in this world where all they can do is survive and, 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 and do what's, what they think is best for their kids. And you know what? Sometimes what they think is best for their kids isn't best for their kids, but it is a situation that they just don't see any other way around it. So they don't tell. And suddenly they're in prison for 18 months. 
and and this happens under Democrats. This happens under Republicans. And what happens to the kids when the father goes to prison, and then the uh, the the mom goes to prison? Well, the kids are taken away. The kids are separated. The kids are taken away uh, by the government, and 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 they're they're that, that's a family separation. It happens a lot. And in fact, if you go to any federal prison that is a women's federal prison, most of the women there are there because of crimes committed by the guys they were with, the guys they were living with, the guys they were they were uh, uh, boyfriends, whatever. They're there because of that. And some of them are moms. And those kids are no longer with their parents. So I'd love to get some numbers on how many family separations we see every single day in this country because of uh, certain things. And, and, and I know that we're all speaking loudly about what's happening here, but these people are committing crimes as well. And the, the crime is, 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 is uh, invasion of our border. So anyway, she sits there and, and, and uh, this is on the, uh, the new a show called The New Day. And uh, he really gets at it with her, which I really appreciated. It's Paul. Bob have you Hood been in the past in the past week as children are being separated from parents? Have you been there this round? I have not. No, but children have been separated from their parents for years. No, uh, no, the, yes, this is a new absolutely. policy. Mm-hmm. She's just bald faced lying. This is Allison Camerata. It's absolutely not true. And you have to be living in a whole not to understand that family separations occurred under Barack Obama. We've seen pictures of it and everything else. This is a new new policy policy where they must be separated. It is a new policy for some people, but children have been separated from their parents under previous administrations and in this administration prior. But now with the zero tolerance policy, if you are apprehended across the border, you're automatically going to be placed in prosecution. During the Obama administration, there were plenty of children. Those are unaccompanied minors. Thousands and thousands of children. Those are unaccompanied minors. She's, at this point, she's just making it up. At this point, all she's doing right now is simply claiming that, that they're unaccompanied minors. That's not true. Some of them were, and some of these kids are. There are people who are just sending people across the border and uh, kids across the border, and, and they, they are unaccompanied minors. But that wasn't the sum total of them back in the day. These are separated from their parents intentionally well, as a deterrent, as we've heard from the administration. This is different, Congressman. There, there, there was true in both instances, and the Obama administration did it until a court Those said that they couldn't do it. Those were unaccompanied minors. No, they were unaccompanied minors. And how, how, are, how are these anchors just allowed to sit? You know, instead of acknowledging that they weren't only unaccompanied minors, Allison Camerata must just simply keep conveying uh, this this lie it's just crazy and there were families with children as well can if the president can end it today and he can why not end it today while you hammer out the details of legislation the president if he ends it then he has to allow these families to enter the interior of the united states hold them uh, in detention they, they gave a court hold them together and in they- det- you tired of having news anchors doing policy suggesting policy and, and regurgitating just simply the, the, the memes of the left. 
on a, on a constant basis. And by the way, did you see what happened when uh, Trump did finally end the whole thing? It wasn't enough for the news media. The president's zero-tolerance immigration policy announced in May mandated universal prosecution of adults who enter the country illegally. Under long-standing law, children cannot remain with adults being detained on criminal charges. In the face of bipartisan blowback, administration officials said for days their hands were tied. All right, so Major, at this point, what, what does happen next year? Keep in mind, President Trump just ended the, sh- the program we're 30 seconds into a story, and they're going back in history over the debate over the over the, the detention policy. Well, there are two paths. One is legislative and one is judicial. The administration will challenge a long-standing consent decree that dates back to 1997. But if it had the ability to do that, one would think it would have already tried. That consent decree is likely to survive, and there's already legal challenges to today's executive order. The legislative fix relies on House Republicans to pass a bill this week and see if it can pass and get bipartisan support in the Senate. Jeff, to put it mildly, both the legislative and judicial paths face uncertain futures. It really doesn't, because at this point, if, if the Democrats really have been concerned about the kids, why wouldn't they go ahead and okay the Republican fix to it as brought to us by, T- by Ted Cruz and the others? They, they almost have to. And that's not to mention, by the way, that I just can't listen to Democrats and people on the left continue to, 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 to pretend that they're concerned about kids. And I realize that there's a lot of people who say, well, yeah, you're conflating the issue when you talk about abortion and that kind of thing. But really, are we? I mean, I mean, if you have an entire party that has dedicated itself, and, and the Republicans are part of this too since they fund Planned Parenthood. If you have entire groups of people who look the other way when babies are vacuumed out of wombs and dismembered and aborted, and in fact – force you to pay for it with their funding of Planned Parenthood. Why is it any surprise that when we hear somebody like Nancy Pelosi and others who have promoted this policy when it comes to unfettered abortion and taxpayer funding of it, or even Paul Ryan for the matter, who who supported Planned Parenthood funding, is it any surprise that we look at it with a little bit of skepticism that you really do care about children? Now, of course, then we box you in, and you have to then at that point decide that they're not really children. And then, then, then you've lost us yep. for sure. But again, is it any surprise that we're very skeptical of the people who claim to be big supporters and big protectors of children when you are okay with killing them in the womb? Do I don't you, know. Is do it you a stretch? This, do you think this is going to lead to DFS reform in general about the stuff you were talking about earlier with the women in the prison? <laughs> no, that's not a chance. So, no. Yeah. Because, because for the left and for liberals and even some conservatives, people who aren't even citizens of this country come before mm. citizens. That's right. I, there, there's so much going on where th- there are so many people who, were, who, who aren't even born here or who come here who are tweeted, uh, treated 10 times better than the people who have been living here their entire lives and who are uh, 
born Americans. I mean, it, you could you could look at example after example of it. I mean, even when it comes to uh, getting loans to start your own business, whatever. I re- I'll never forget back in the '90s, and you know, I love Bosnians. I love these guys. Uh, they've done a great job in 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 rebuilding the city, uh, and especially um, the Dutch town area there mm-hmm. and everything else. They've done a great job there. But keep in mind, when they came over here during the Bosnian conflict and Clinton had all the refugees here, Southwest Bank opened up a special wing solely designed to loaning them money. Try being a black guy. Yeah. And see whether or not Southwest Bank is going to set up a separate wing Mm -hmm. only to loan you money. Same thing happened in your city with Ukrainians. We had a lot of Ukrainians buying buildings. We had landlords that yeah. were Ukrainians, and just we met many Ukrainians yeah. because of that. I mean, they're, they're good people, and I, yeah. and I, I would not Hard deny working. them the kind of, uh, uh, you know, the access to uh, our beautiful country and to all that comes with it with hard work. I, I have no problem with that. But I'm just telling you, historically, our government, for whatever reason, has bent over backwards for people who – we're not here ten years ago or whatever it happens to be, right. and they'll they'll leave they'll leave the people uh, in the dust who have been here forever. And and that that one thing that was very surprising, and the reason why, and they wouldn't let me. I was going to do the story at Channel Four, and they wouldn't let me do it. Uh, they wouldn't let me look at the disparities of how uh, people from other countries who get here are helped, and how people who have lived here their whole lives are not. Mm. And the reason why they were afraid of doing that is because they were afraid that my story was pitting uh, blacks versus Bosnians mm-hmm. and that I was going to cause trouble. But I wasn't trying to do that, and I wasn't trying to say Bosnians shouldn't have loans. But I'm just telling you that's a great example of how uh, these there are many people from foreign countries who get here. Uh, whether and, and look look what's happening with the tech visas and what has been happening. How many people do you know who have been displaced or sometimes are even training people from a foreign country to replace them? Because my, my here, wife did it. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yep. I mean, the, the, the tech visa program must be changed. They were talking about this for a while and then it, it, it dropped off. But that, that program needs to be changed and adjusted because it is it's a program where – there, there are actual, almost like they're temp agencies, like they're they're they're, they're yep. uh, a, a visa agencies that get a big pile, a stack of visas that they can then go out and give to people to come here to work and take jobs away from Americans, and and that needs to be reined in. Why do you think all these people now, these these kids who graduate from Rala and places like that, can't find jobs? A twenty five year old still looking for a job yep. because the the firms are hiring cheap labor uh, through the tech visa program, and that's how it how it operates. That needs to be adjusted. That needs to be adjusted. So again, another example, time after time, of where uh, a lot of foreigners are treated a lot better than Americans on a number of different levels. All right, so we've got uh, Cortland Sykes, who has just popped into the studio. Just talked to Austin Peterson. So Cortland's going to be in just a second. You find a drink and drain the glass as fast as you can drink to the cheap perfume. But in a room of people watching it and 
All right, so we are here. Cortland Sykes is in the house with a dog. Beautiful dog. And three beautiful women and a dog. Look at you, man, how you travel. Look at that puppy. You guys see the puppy rolling on the carpet right now? Hi, Johnny. It's Johnny Holcomb. Is that the name of the puppy? Johnny Holcomb. Johnny Holcomb. I feel so close to you guys. Before you guys had me back here. I know. Now we can hold hands when we pray for the state of Missouri. (laughs) Love it. So this uh, Johnny travels with you all the time? He goes everywhere I go. He's been through the Panama Canal four times. Really? Yeah, he went down to Latin America. When I worked out of the U.S. Embassy, I'd take him into my office. This is when I started taking him in with me, and I promised myself I would never have a job where I couldn't bring my dog to work. So He's an excitable little puppy, He got too. kicked out of the embassy swimming pool, though, and they found golden retriever hair <laughs> in the floating in the pool. Hi, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. How old is he? He's 10 going on 11. He's pretty close to 11 now. So He looks like he's 10 going on 2, the way he yeah, acts. Yeah, pretty, he's pretty spry. Yes, he, he is. Jumps a lot of hay bales. Hey, baby. Are you having fun? Are you having fun? <laughs> say, Are you his, having fun? His magic word is, is danger. If you say it, he'll start barking at you. Danger. Well, hold on. you got to have him sit. Come here, buddy. Come here. Sit. Sit. Sit right on Mr. Risky Business. That's awesome. Oh, good boy, Johnny. That's yeah. awesome. Look at you. I wish I had some biscuits or something to give him. Does he eat oranges? No, don't spoil it. We got him. a cake. I'm, look, I've got to live with him, so. Right. Yeah. 
If I put that orange on the carpet, would he grab that orange? No, he'd look at he he would probably appreciate, it, but he won't he won't do it. Johnny, Johnny. Oh, if you throw it, he'll grab it. <laughs> yeah, Johnny. Yeah. Hey, Johnny. Johnny, look. Well, he goes by Fulton, so I don't think he knows who Johnny is. <laughs> like, that's an orange. <laughs> He's like, no, no pal. fruit. There's no, there's no, there's no meat on that. All right. I always thought dogs were more uh, omnivores than they were carnivores. I thought they ate plants and stuff like that, but not an orange. Plus, that looks hard to get into, right, Johnny? <laughs> Cortland Sykes, how you doing, brother? Outstanding. Well, I'll have to let you know in November. Yeah. We're going to be running hard until then, so... Good for you. So yeah. uh, how's the campaign going? Good. Good. Uh, sleep is the first luxury that's thrown out the window in a campaign. You know, two days ago we had an event in Kansas City at night. Yesterday morning we had one in Farmington, which is, you know, five-hour drive. So I just packed up after the Kansas City thing, drove all the way through the night, you know, got there in the morning. And so, yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Though. We're having a good time. Now, it was great because you had a lot of really great people representing you at the Warrior and the Wild Man Throwdown Palooza there out mm-hmm. at uh, Discovery Design where we had a little barbecue out there and everything else. Yes. And in fact, I think the video's still up. So I, I, we, I was with Doug and I was, I was terrifying, him, uh, terrifying him the whole time because we were driving in and it was raining. I had mm-hmm. the Jeep and then I told him, listen, dude, when we drive up to the tents and everything else, we're going to take the roof off of the Jeep. Mm-hmm. And I want you to stand up like, you know, Erwin Rommel crossing the desert. There you go. And I want you to be like, you know, make the appearance. He, could, he refused to stand up. Uh, but we did drive up anyway. So we drove up. We're doing a Facebook Live. And the first people I see mm-hmm. are Cortland. Well, they're hard people. to miss. Gary Leggins. Yeah. He's the, he could play linebacker for the Kansas <laughs> yeah, City Chiefs. Right. He's a big... He's a big boy, so yeah. yeah I got off and I, I, I we got out of the jeep and and there he was and and he was like Cortland sucks. Cortland is, is fantastic. So yeah. you, had, you had people, you had definitely some people representing. Yeah. Man, it was it was pretty fun to Jimmy see. Jimmy Lee, he was out there. I yeah, think. man. Yeah, it was good. He's awesome. So, um, what are people tell when like for instance when you're in Kansas City mm-hmm. and when when you're running around there uh, and doing your campaigning. What are people telling you about as it relates to their concerns, and and and, and what are you telling them? Like, what's their, what's their what's their priority? Well, we stick to mostly. I mean, it's been a lot of hot button issues, a lot of emotional issues. I'd say the two key issues that we're talking about right now is this immigration issue, which I'm happy to dive into. Yeah, uh, that's that's a good one. And then also the uh, the state, like the state issues that we're we're now we have the Democrats going after uh, Governor Parson. And, you know, as if that was going to be a surprise to anyone. But um, I would say I, I usually like to stick. We, we cover three areas, you know, immigration, abortion and gun laws. Those yeah. are the key issues for, for the state of Missouri. And then we just talk about, you know, current affairs. Good. I'm glad you bring up the abortion thing. I just got through talking about how it's, it's impossible for me to even listen to Democrats yeah. talk about their concerns for children when they are habitually supporting policies to abort them. So I, that's a, yeah. it, it, I never listen to these guys. They don't make any sense to me from that angle. But what was your take on what was happening at the border? Did you think that it was a good idea for President Trump to go ahead and, and say, all right, we'll work something else out here and figure it out? Well, um, let's start with the – okay, so first of all, this, this is what is so maddening about this entire topic is 
it's so one dimensional. Everybody is focusing on the detention centers and the separation of the kids and the custodians. They're not families, incidentally. I don't know if you know that. No. But DHS, yeah. they don't even refer to these as families because many times uh, in northern Mexico, the largest enterprise is illegal activity. It's drug smuggling. It's sex trafficking. It's illicit arms sales. So it is, it, you know, this is the most volatile area in the United, in the world. It 23,000 deaths in Mexico, northern Mexico last year, compared to Afghanistan, 16,000 deaths. So northern Mexico is literally the most violent place in, in the world right now. That's it. And when you when you have these people crossing the borders, DHS, when they receive people, they don't call them families. They call them custodians because um, they have to separate them. They only separate them for several reasons. If they if they can document that those kids belong to those families, they do not separate them, Jamie. They only separate them when they can't prove that they're, they're, they're the kids, if the child is at risk, or if the custodian is being detained for, for criminal activity, okay? So that is the only time they actually separate the kids from the families. And I think that these kids are going to be thanking uh, President Trump for putting them in these facilities much, much better than what, what Obama put them in, of course, the yeah. like ages. Right. Let's not mention that. But the, the fact is, we have all of these Pollyanna politicians in Washington, D.C., who, you know, want to just focus on this one dimensional argument. And by the way, whenever you go to a negotiating table with your opponent, opponents being the Democrats and wanting everybody to have an open border, you don't focus on their argument. You bring your argument to the table. And that's what we're not seeing from the Republicans. The Republicans aren't saying, look, there's sex trafficking and there's illicit arms sales and there's drug trafficking. Let's let's find out what's going on on our border, separate and protect these kids in these facilities. And you're not hearing that argument from anybody. That's what is so so maddening by being a candidate, not being in Washington, is is we you cannot convince me that the most talented negotiators are in Washington, D.C. Yeah. We, they've are, are these rhinos could not negotiate themselves through a coloring book. Jamie. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you mentioned the, the argument aspect. And really, honestly, what you're stating really necessarily isn't an argument. It's a matter of fact, because because right. we keep in mind, there was this suggestion, for instance, that they were going to start with the DNA testing once they once they captured these people mm-hmm. uh, crossing the border, and suddenly you're getting all the Dr. Mengele references from the crazy news media, like mm-hmm. this is outrageous. But the, but you just pointed out that a large number of these kids aren't these aren't they're not even with their parents. No. And in many cases, the people are using the kids yeah. to tr- as a shield to get oh, over as here. mules. And you know, here's the thing, and this is why. And I, you can tell right away that none of these people that are, are, are trying to make influence on this policy or change the policy or get involved in the conversation, they've never been a diplomat in Latin America. They've never run intelligence collection missions in Latin America. They have no idea what's going on in Latin America. All they're focused on is really what they're trying to do is it, 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 they're creating a false narrative by saying they're separating families. I'm telling you that's not the case. I'm saying that that is not the issue there at all. Yeah, no doubt. Now, when it comes to – oh, by the way, here, let me – I was looking for this. Uh, I'm going to play you the – I'm going to play you the, the, All of the, the your fans. Okay, so this is team, me. Team Sykes. Yeah, this is me getting out of the out of the Jeep, all right? Yeah. Uh, so we just got through – I just got through panicking Doug Giles and freaking him out there. So we get out of the Jeep, and then we walk into the, all the – we're walking towards the tent. So I'll mm-hmm. play you that for you. Oh, wait a minute here. I, I took the... I, gotta park, I, gotta, I guess I'm going to have to park this in the... Uh... Now we get out. So how, how are you guys so oh. cool, though? How does that happen? What's that? 
They're pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're yeah, pretty listen, cool. Listen, wait, I'm just trying to get... Walk over to the tent. What's up, people? You're a rock star. You hear this? Literally. How's it going? How you doing? You guys are live on Facebook. You can't, you can't hear this, can you? Oh, okay. All right, perfect. Thanks for coming out, people. I got the roof off the Jeep. Hey, good. Now watch this. Anyway. We did it. Did you guys like that? Where are? Did anybody watch this on Facebook? Say hello. There he is. It's not raining. Anyway, You're just gonna bro. try to make me and my head inflate like all the other oh, wow. no anyway. Yeah. Oh, well, so anyway, you Gary, had your Gary fans like, out there. I'll tell you something about Gary. That was Gary right there, and he, man, he does have a heart for service, and he works really hard for this campaign. Yeah, yeah. He's all right. Amazing. So now, have you done any polling or, or, or I mean, it just seems to me this whole the the whole race itself has been kind of weird because mm-hmm. we automatically, even when President Trump came to Springfield a while back. And he called Josh Hawley out by name. And, and you guy, you were there at that right. rally. Uh, mm-hmm. Manetti was there and Austin was there. And we're like, I'm, yeah. I'm like, um, how did that happen where he just simply decided that Hawley was going to be the next U.S. senator on the Republican side? And I'm like, this is crazy. So it's been an uphill battle from there. Because I remember seeing you at the right. event. I didn't talk to you, but I remember seeing you there. And, and so I, I'm disappointed that we haven't had more coverage mm-hmm. And I, to me, the post dispatch and these other guys are more than happy to just simply uh, go to make it and make it Josh Hawley. Mm-hmm. So they just ignore you guys too. So yeah, it's very right. frustrating to me. Well, look, um, they're not voting. The people in Missouri are voting. Yeah, that's who we talk to every day. We're on the ground every day. And guess who's not talking to the people in Missouri? Josh Hawley. So he's not right. out there. So, um, and I wouldn't feel. Uh, I'm not, I certainly don't feel bad that the president is stepping in and he's only operating first of all on the information that he has. Right. And you cannot blame him also for being a, a good strategist. He knows that Josh Hawley is a rhino. He knows that he's Mitch McConnell's guy. Mitch McConnell selected him. And so he has to basically mollycoddle Josh in order to get Josh to cooperate once he's in the Senate, if he does win this election. And he knows that if I win, I'm going to be his champion on Capitol Hill anyway. So it's a win-win for Trump when he backs these rhinos like Luther Strange, you know, down in uh, Alabama. So so it's actually a very good strategy. I don't blame him for that. And I I don't think that any of the – this is what I – the key takeaway is I don't want any Trump fans uh, going away with hurt feelings just because – uh, he's he's trying to support this uh, this this puppet, the lazy puppet. Yeah, I just I I think you're right. At that particular time, I don't think he really knew as much as he does now about the about the race in general. All right. So speaking of President Trump, so he goes over to North Korea, and you have a lot of international uh, experience. So and that's kind of, that's kind of one of your things. You know, you, you the, one of the things you have up on all the other guys is is your experience. In the fact that I. They threw me in a bunch of meat grinders in the worst places in the world. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> yeah that's, that's my thing. advantage. Thanks, right. Jamie. <laughs> uh, so, 
But you had the experience. So, so uh, President Trump goes over to North Korea, yeah. works out a deal with Kim Jong-un, uh, and then suddenly there are some senators who pipe up, like Lindsey Graham and others, who say, mm-hmm. we need to be involved in this. This is essentially a treaty. We need to be able to be the ones who approve or disapprove of it. What is your take as a potential U.S. senator? Do you believe that this ought to be uh, – this is essentially a treaty and needs to be ratified by the U.S. Senate, or do you believe that the executive <laughs> has the power to go ahead and, and no. cut these deals? So we have to operate within the guidelines of the Constitution, and for the Senate, that is Article One, Section 8 of the Constitution. That has to happen. So there can be no declaration of war. We have to be involved in treaties, but I'll say this. The current Congress that we have in Washington, D.C., these guys, they're, they're presiding over a bankruptcy this is the least talented body that I think we've had in our, na- in our union's history. And these guys, we, they're spending way more money than anybody's ever we, – we could even imagine $1.3 trillion in one year. So these are not talented people. I don't like the idea of – you know, I like Lindsey Graham to the extent that he, he likes to stir things up a little bit and he likes to bring other perspectives to the table – Happy to work with Lindsey Graham. Not happy to work with Mitch McConnell. That guy's a complete snake. He's a complete fraud. But Lindsey, there is a little bit of authenticity in terms of at least bringing another argument. Now, I'll butt heads with Lindsey Graham, too. I do not think he's a talented negotiator at all. I think that's laughable, but I do appreciate his perspective. And he's not wrong about the treaty thing. But if Trump had an option to work with talented people, he would do that. The reason he's not working with Lindsey Graham is because he knows he's not good at what he does. Does that make sense? Right, absolutely. So yeah. uh, b- before the election, how, how, were you a Trump supporter before the election mm-hmm. too, like during the primaries and stuff Jamie, like that? Chanel and I attended Donald Trump's uh, primary victory party in New Hampshire. We were actually, we're what, 12 feet away from yeah, the guy. Yeah, It was amazing. So we went up there. We like to, so Ch- Chanel, her family, they have a tradition of going up to these uh, New Hampshire primaries and meeting the candidates, meeting all the presidential candidates. Right. And so we, um, and, and we knew Trump was going to win that, obviously. And we were invited to go to the, the victory party by, was it Lisa Menijowski? Messiowski. I always mispronounce yeah. her name. I hope you, your feelings aren't hurt, Lisa. Um, but uh, we were invited, and she, of course, she worked for Trump's campaign. Yeah. And uh, it, uh, that was a really cool experience. So, yes, to answer your question, um, we, we've been supporting Trump since the yeah. day he came down the es- escalator. Me too. Yeah. Because when I saw his speech that he gave, and, I, and, and unlike a lot of people who apparently uh, who jumped to conclusions about him, they didn't hear – they didn't listen to his speech that he gave when he announced his candidacy. Because if you did, you would have also picked up on the idea that this guy was going to pretty much wipe the floor with the Jeb Bushes of the world. It was Come pretty on. easy to see. Uh, by yeah. the way, so uh, can you introduce uh, Chanel? Yeah. If you guys, can you guys Chanel, walk in front of her? There's that camera right there. Walk, yeah. Introduce your people. Okay. You can do it. You yeah. can do it. You know, Kimberly, over, come here. You guys can stand right there in front of the table. Lori, or you can stand right You can go right here. Right here. Yeah. Lori. Yeah. Okay. Hello. This is Chanel. Um, Chanel's an artist also, by the way. Right? Well, yes. Uh, I got into political illustrating actually to defend Trump when he jumped into the race. So, nice. Yes, we have been with Trump from day one. Uh, but please check it out, ChanelRion.com. And actually, Lori asked me to plug her barbecue. Lori, well, stay over July here. July 7th. Okay. Lori, tell us about the barbecue. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, we're going to have a bounce house. We're going to have um, a Where, Where's house. the barbecue again? It's going to be. Nice. Uh, yeah, our office. 
We'll put it online. Yeah. This is this yeah. is Cortland Sykes Barbecue. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. This cool. Is the, this is the the people of Missouri Barbecue. Nice. Well, you better come out. I'll I will. come out there. I'll be we definitely there. will. <laughs> I'll be you there. better bring the Porsche. I will bring the Porsche. <laughs> okay, and introduce yourself, my dear, too. Kimberly. Kim, and so uh, these are these are the people who came to the studio with Cortland. So, thank you. His entourage. Yes, and Lisa. By the way, she if yeah. you if you saw the debate, and it was a real, I thought it was a pretty good debate, to tell you the truth, uh, because everybody kind of had their distinctive kind of positions, everything else. But Lisa's the one who asked a, a good question there. So. Laura. Oh, I'm sorry, Laura. Laura is the one who asked the, uh, the, the well, a good questioner. A forum over a debate. So I yeah. wish I wish we actually would have a debate because we could sort out a lot of the other yeah. candidates in the process. But I I don't know if any of them will sh- have the guts to show up. So yeah, I think I think part of it had to do with uh, I think it was a little bit cluttered uh, from a few of the we got we got distracted from a few people who actually you know I don't know. Yeah, it was, it was a it was a little bit it was a little bit tough to kind of uh, get some of the people asking questions to kind of do something that was, you know, to cause a debate. As opposed <laughs> well, to get this guy on a debate stage. Mm-hmm. He needs yeah. to. Yeah. He needs to knock a few yeah, you'd be good, out. man. No, I'm you actually, were pretty good anyway. No, I'm though. actually really good at debates, and it's unfortunate because we're not going to have that opportunity. It looks like so. Yeah. Why? What? What is that all about? I mean, America First, Missouri, which was great. Uh, Banning those guys and and and, uh, and and all the other folks who were involved in that. Uh, I was so glad that they did that, yeah. but it's amazing that in this in in this state that we don't have more of those kinds of things. Going What's on. amazing is we're actually that wasn't a debate; that was a forum, and right. we're not going to have a Senate debate. In the, we're not going to have a 2018 Missouri Senate debate because in, I don't know. You have to ask the other candidates. I I'm tried, not, man. I tried. Yeah, I'm not going to speak for them. I tried. Them. I, tried. Yeah. I told them I'd Sunny. pay for it out of my own pocket, mm-hmm. and uh, and we were scheduled one on July 12th with another, actually a real debate uh, that was going to be hosted by the America First folks. And it's this is my opinion. Look, you ask the other candidates why they're not going to be there. My opinion is candidates should they should be willing to crawl over broken glass to get to the people if they really want to serve all right and they just yeah. do not care they don't care they don't care about you enough to show up so if you did have a chance to do the debate and, and you and you could and, and I'll, I'll i'll just kind of list off uh, one candidate and then you could you could ask what you tell me what you would ask them or what you would debate them about mm. uh, your biggest concern, okay? So I'll just go down the list, all right? So uh, Austin Peterson, what would, you, what would you want to debate Austin Peterson about? I would debate him on several things. It would be immigration and economy. Uh, economy, I, mm-hmm. I know the immigration part. What, what, what's the economy issue? He's trying to conflate uh, uh, several different things I've noticed in, in his narrative <laughs> that just they, the, the, the narrative is wrong, so... I, I think that he's he's uh, his, he's a little bit misled in, in his uh, in what could be considered economic development on the horizon for the state of Missouri. Yeah, I mean you got to take a t- look at it from this perspective. I mean, since two thousand nine, for example, Missouri's GDP growth has only been zero point eight percent. Zero point eight percent. You take our neighboring states, Kansas two point seven percent, Nebraska two point five, Iowa two point five. So everybody's growing at a rate of around two and a half percent. Missouri zero point eight percent. I mean, these 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 and these are the conversations that people want to have. Obviously, in the state of Missouri, right. I'd like to, I'd like the opportunity to go ahead and lay those those out. And I'm holding on. I'd like to. I, maybe it'll work out. Maybe he would debate me. I don't think he will. How about Tony Minetti? Everything. I like Tony. I mean, Tony and I are, here's what's fun. 
and I think this is what people. You guys kind of got you guys are at the same table too on the, at that. Well, forum. That, yeah, they cool. stuck they were... stuck us together because they knew we liked each other, <laughs> uh, and uh, we do. We, we're gonna we we know that we'll walk away from this thing friends either way, and I think that's what the people of the state of Missouri they want to see that camaraderie and that respect amongst each other we can now tony and i can we can we can debate too sure and we can push and we can you know iron sharp, sharpens iron he's a veteran he's competitive i am too and we'll push up against each other but we have st- still that same amount of respect for each other yeah yeah, yeah but i mean i'm willing to ha- i'm happy to debate tony on any issue right uh, that goes for all of them i mean i'm, I'm happy to go with it with any of them and go ahead did you know what did you know christy or peter before the whole this whole thing started at all no, but, um, you know, and I'm getting to know Peter a little bit better. Christy, I will say she's a lovely person. She's a really, really neat person. And, uh, and I actually, yeah, we always have a good time. So I think we'll be, it's a, that's another situation where Christy and I will go away as friends. Peter and I, we, there's no bad blood, obviously, uh, there, but, um, so you but, just want to get your hands on Austin Peterson, apparently. Well, I want to get my hands on all of them. I'm happy to tear all of them up, <laughs> but, start, but, uh, know. you know, well, Peterson doesn't even belong in the Republican ticket. He, there's no reason for him to even be there. Um, he's not a Republican, so it doesn't make any sense. Uh, Austin Peterson is anti-God, anti-Trump, and anti-Wall. The only place you can win an election as a Republican on that platform is Tijuana. I mean, there's <laughs> no way. There's no way Austin Peterson is going to win an ele- a Senate election in Missouri as a Republican. He's got a better chance running as a Democrat. Yeah. Now, the anti-God part. You mean because now you really believe he's anti-God? I don't know. You have to ask him. This is his whole agnostic take on everything, yeah, right. and that's fine. Yeah, and it's and it's a personal thing. Look, if I I believe that you cannot go to a place like Washington D.C. without that anchor, without Christ in your heart. I think that it is going to be a place that will either chew you up and spit you out, or it'll corrupt you. And you know th- that is that is my anchor. That's the foundation right there. That is the most important thing in my life. So you know, you look at the numbers, and people kind of forget that. Uh, if you look at historical races like the one we're looking at now where you have a multitude of people involved uh, and a multitude of candidates, there's this assumption somehow that everybody's going to eat each other alive and that Hawley would be the one that takes Mm -hmm. it away, which is why there have been these, and I I don't agree with this, this idea that somebody needs to drop out. I think that's baloney. I think think the race is anybody's to win. It's one thing I didn't like that Tony did. He did the back... Backroom deal. Yeah, yeah. That was. I don't know ever what happened. Whatever happened it was him to that Austin, thing. Him and Peterson. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah Peterson. Yeah, but, but but I do think that the, that if people really look at it truthfully, the race is anybody's to win, just based on the math. And I'm I'm a two point six grade point average guy, so I, I don't even know math, but I know this math, and I know this math will will tell you that Cortland Sykes, in my opinion, has every every chance that Austin Peterson does and every chance that Tony does or Christy or Peter does or the, any of the other folks out there, just look at the numbers, people. This has happened before where suddenly, I mean, there, you, it, it, there's a person who could, you can win with 24% yeah. or 22%. Well, here's the That's thing. the way it is. You're worried about the other candidates chewing up each other. I agree with that. I think uh, Holly's, I mean, the Missouri's doing a good job of chewing Holly up. Uh, that's why I like to focus on Claire. Many times we go to these Lincoln Day debates or these Lincoln Day dinners. Um, the other candidates will mention Peterson will mention Holly and Minetti will mention Holly. And I only mention Claire because I want to keep the focus on Claire McCaskill. But since you brought up my opponents in the primary, I had to I had to mention it. Yeah, no, I'm not going to tell you what I don't. I'm well, not I'm going to tell you what I think. Well, and here's the thing. You mentioned Mike Parson and I know everybody's got to get along with the new governor and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But I'm telling you what, I, I can't leave this thing alone. It was so dist- – and, and this is an indication of what the Republican Party 
thinks about Josh Hawley, which really made me mad because you had a, you had this configuration where Parson had all the congressional the, the delegation in his office. Mm-hmm. And whoever made the seating arrangements had Parson there, and there's Claire McCaskill sitting right next to him. And then the St. Louis Post Dispatch said Claire McCaskill approves of the of the new governor uh, of the state of Missouri, and and she sits there with others. And the others, oh, just little old Ann Wagner, little old Blaine Lichtenmeyer, little old uh, 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 the other congressional delegation people. And how that was allowed to happen is beyond me. And it gives you every indication of how soft the Republican Party is in here. Because yeah. if I were them, I would have had Claire McCaskill sitting over in the corner instead of right next to the governor of the state of Missouri. Right. It did show a position of dominance for oh. the person that we're trying to retire yeah. this year. Terrible. Uh, you know, I, here's another thing. I like, uh, I really am fond of uh, Mike Parson. I've gotten to know him a little bit on these, uh, on the campaign yeah. trail. And he is a genuine guy. He's a smart guy. He's a, he's a good man. And, um, and I believe that. I believe he is. But I, I told everyone when this happened, and I don't know if you read my letter to my open letter to Eric Greitens, I've always been told that I'm the friend that's going to tell you what you need to know and not what you want to hear. And, and that is exactly what I did. But I told everyone, I said, the same thing would have happened to John, uh, John Bruner. Everything. He ran on his own money. He would have gone after the regulations. They would have done the same thing to John Bruner. And you watch, they're going to do the same thing to Mike Parson. Yeah. And, every, and all the Republicans are like, oh, no, no, no. They just all, they're all focused on their hatred of Eric Greitens that all the establishment Republicans are like, oh, no, no, no. We, we have an agreement in Jefferson City. They're not going to come after our guy. And I said, you wait till the guns turn on you. Right. And that's exactly, am I wrong? Oh, it'll happen. It's, it'll no, happen. it already has happened. Yeah. They've already filed a lawsuit. With the Kehoe thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. Give it's, me a break. Yeah. And, and, and that's what's disturbing. And I know, uh, actually, for a fact, that this seating arrangement, this this vision of dominance, was not a Mike Parson idea. I no. guarantee you that it was what, whoever these worms are running around there, the Capitol, who are behind the scenes, who made this happen. And I just was. I, just I have was a like, theory. People, please. I have a theory. I have a theory that um, Claire McCaskill has cut a deal with Mitch McConnell, and they, he picked out a ringer who won't put up a yard sign, who won't put up a billboard, won't do anything, won't show up to an event. He won't do it in this primary. It's called, his name's Josh Hawley. And he's going to fall flat, and he's going to throw the race in, uh, in, in the general, too. I, I, and, that, and that is evidence of that theory. Now, I don't, I'm, I, I'm a facts and, and evidence-based guy. That's what I am. And when I see something like that, it is telling that she is showing that she is the next senator from Missouri. That's exactly what that, is, that's the, what that message is sending. Yeah. You understand? Because yeah. if she was the most, and she is the most vulnerable senator in the union, she's the most vulnerable senator in the United States in 2018. And she's standing, she, she's essentially standing uh, in a place. It, it, well, well the you understand poll, what I'm saying? It's a, it's a right. position of dominance the over, latest, over, over everyone. The latest poll has Hawley six points behind her mm-hmm. and 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 the, 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 how else could you possibly explain the anemic campaign that he's running? I mean, I mean, this guy is the least hungry U.S. Senate candidate I've ever seen in history, mm-hmm. uh, and I just I don't get it. He's other being, than your explanation, he's being obedient. I guess. That's all I don't it know, is. man. All right, mm-hmm. Cortland Sykes. Where can people find you on the interwebs? Well, CortlandSykes.com okay. or SykesForSenate2018.com. All right, and the barbecue is this is it the seventh? Yeah. Seventh of July. 
Okay, we'll we'll get more information. You can text me or whatever the information. So we. All right. Oh, good. Okay, good. I'll get the uh, Radio Free Almond Nation out there, man, to hang out. Appreciate okay? it. I'd love it. It'll good love to see you, brother. You. Phil. Good luck. Good to see right. you. Oh, take very care. Very good to see yeah. you. Take the train with you. Doug Giles in just a few here. I got a secret window. From there you could see it all. Don't be afraid to reach it. Don't be afraid to fall. Respect the fact that everything you hate, your thoughts, your words, and everything you say defines you. Buddy, all right. So we getting there with yeah, Doug. Sorry. It's all right. No, well, it's handicap. That's all right. You, you need some readers there, brother. Yeah. Some reader glasses, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna try this number. We'll see what happens. That was good, man. I, I don't think uh, Cortland uh, gets enough attention. You know what I mean? I definitely agree with you. I mean, we're the only ones that have them on the air. You know, I like Cortland. Yeah. It's Doug Giles. Hey, Doug Giles. What's going on, wild man, warrior, whatever they want to call you? How you doing, man? 
Good, buddy. Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, the book of Revelation, Jamie, I'm talking about the scary book in the Bible. It was fulfilled today. Kim Kardashian has said that she is no longer going to take selfies, forever proving that there is a God and he hears us. <laughs> How, where'd she come to this conclusion that she's uh, never going to uh, take selfies again? How, where did that come out? Uh, you know, you know, I guess when she visited the White House mm-hmm. and she saw, you know, her lobbying power to actually, you know, do good instead of spending all day snapping pics <laughs> of of her of her um, ample assets, uh, kind of dawned on her that you know maybe I could do something else with my life. And I don't know if you saw Pierce uh, Morgan; uh, he really went after her. When uh, when I can't remember the lady's name, where she where she had that that woman freed who'd been in prison uh, for 22 years or something like that, and Trump gave her a get out of jail free card. Pierce, like, there you go. Come on, Kim, you're better than that. You don't have to spend your life <laughs> taking pics of your San Andreas fault like cleavage or <laughs> uh, or the bulbous backside. Do something, girl. Do something. Here's the thing that I uh, uh, it's going to be interesting to see. That kind of stuff, man, that kind of uh, behavior is addictive. Jamie, how long uh, will she last? What do the Radio Free Almond uh, peeps are listening right now? Uh, what kind of time frame uh, do you give Kim before she lapses again? Uh, uh, five minutes. Hey, by no, the way. I was going to go seven, but okay. uh, we'll, we'll go <laughs> okay. five. Uh, it's, Somebody it, uh, get your get your producer to monitor her, uh, her Instagram account because that's where all the crap goes down, brother. I love and we'll it. We'll see if uh, she's gonna she's gonna uh, stay on this decisive righteous path. So we have the uh, the great article up there that you just posted on ClashDaily.com. It's so interesting that when Schwarzenegger says something that is uh, well attacking President Trump or doing whatever. Uh, they're more than happy, the mainstream media, to go ahead and liberally air every every sentence, every word that he uh, that he has to say. And so uh, it's interesting when he comes out actually basically defending what's going on at the border down there. It's just crickets. But you point out that his tweet is a pretty damn good one. Yeah, he uh, he said the administration is right that we need to fix our immigration system. But if anybody's going to be in a cage while we wait for comprehensive reform, let's make it the politicians who don't do their jobs and put them in the cages and not the kids. I think it's brilliant. Like you said, you know, anytime he besmirches um, uh, number 45, I'm talking about uh, Donald J. Trump, then OMG, man, that is that's fresh chum on the CNN uh, uh uh, chum slick line, but now, yeah, nary a peep. But uh, you know, it's it's completely typical. Hey, what about Peter Fonda? Peter Fonda, uh, uh, you know, when you think Hanoi Jane is like the stupid one in the family, you know, Peter says, "No, you're not." Uh, watch this. He threatens Baron Trump, says that he should be put in a cage with pedophiles. Oh my God, uh, Jamie! Um, uh, <laughs> wow. And then he then he's like, well, I kind of overstepped. Yeah, you overstepped. You said you wanted uh, uh, the president's son sexually molested, basically. And uh, Jamie, there's another one today. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name. I just sent it over to my editors. Uh, a major Hollywood writer.
threatens Donald Jr.'s daughter, says we're going to come after uh, her now. And it's just, it's this stuff is getting out of control, brother. Yeah. They're more unhinged than a stuck door at Bob Villa's house. I will tell you, <laughs> I will tell you though, uh, Doug, it's interesting. I was saying this earlier because the, the Twitter, the modern nature of Twitter, which isn't so modern after all, but you know, uh, clashes with this old washed up perv named Peter Fonda. When have you ever heard anybody use the term gash? To describe a woman, I mean, this guy—it's—it's like some—it's it's like some old, dried-up, pruny old geezer uh, clashing with Twitter, and then deciding and 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 putting out the word "gash" to describe women. It just is the weirdest damn thing. So disappointing, considering I actually liked Easy Rider, you know. Yeah, no, I—I I was uh, actually going to do uh, a, a big painting of Peter Fonda on that uh, glorious chopper and uh for this this uh harley davidson enthusiast and now it's like you know i don't i don't want to immortalize the cat i'm going for dennis hopper yeah i i totally <laughs> i totally agree it's a that's a great idea because you know it's too bad because you know had he just shut his mouth he could have died in peace but unfortunately now it's that's his that's his uh, that's his tombstone is his tweet too bad for him but yeah i and, and it's i think it's good too going back to the border that ultimately uh, a decision was made because, because as Schwarzenegger pointed out, he goes, you know, as an immigrant, I know the power of America's greatness. As a former border governor, I know the importance of securing our border and fixing this system. And as an American, I know that kids shouldn't be pawns while the adults figure it out. And the kids, that's that's precisely what this is, is that uh, people forget that this isn't President Trump abusing children. This is our Republican and Democrat Party who failed to do anything about our border situation, who now have allowed for this to happen. And it's also the parents of these kids who've allowed this to happen. And nobody's holding any of these people accountable. It's all on Trump. Yeah, and, and who knows if uh, uh, those are even, you know, their parents. Let's do DNA tests. That's what a session said. Let's figure out whether these are human traffickers that are renting kids in order to exploit humongous loopholes in our, in our immigration policy. I've seen some, I saw this one picture, uh, Jamie, of this, this child, the poor kids in the cages, Jamie, of this children, this child in a cage. And so this, uh, this, I can't remember what show it was. They show this kid in the cage, yeah. and then on Facebook, they show the kid running around the cage. It's just a fake little dog pen fence. And then they show the kid running around the cameraman playing and stuff. It's <laughs> it's so weird. It's so wag the dogish. It's so creepy. And here's here's what I think uh, a, a lot of it has to do. Not that there's not any kind of legitimacy at all. Let's take the eyeballs off the IG report and what Comey and Strzok and Hillary and all these other uh, just nasty critters uh, who are swamp creatures and, and what uh, that's pouring forth and what that's bringing to light because we don't want – Billy squat uh, about that stuff uh, hitting people's eardrums because that's damning. That makes Watergate uh, look like uh, what I did in Handy Hut back when I was smoking <laughs> weed when I was 12 and I needed to steal some bubble yum to cover up my stink breath. <laughs> I've often said that um, that I, I, I think that God purposely kept you and I apart as we were growing up because I don't think, I don't think this would have worked out with you and I 
in the same Yeah, we probably sphere. would have done that Thelma and Louise thing off the cliff, man. <laughs> right. we, we, definitely would have, we definitely would have done that. By the way, how did, how did you assess in terms of, and I know you're not all about book sales and that kind of thing, but uh, how, did you, how did you feel things went when you were here and then in the aftermath of that? Were people hitting your website and getting books and all that kind of stuff? You know, we're looking at the um, uh, our Shopify uh, store data for ClashDaily.com, and St. Louis is still at the top. Uh, what's it been going on two weeks? A yeah, week, something like that. I don't know. It's yeah. all blur now. But yeah. no, the, uh, you know, always, you know, if if people like you, if their hearts digging you, your stuff's gonna sell. You know, <laughs> if if, uh, if it doesn't. If you don't move any products after you speak or appear something like that, eh, you know, yeah. maybe need to retool and up your game a little bit. We crushed the table, man. You got great people. Uh, and uh, like I said, uh, St. Louis came in number one, Chicago number two, um, uh, <laughs> which blew me away. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, and then uh, uh, New York and Dallas and San Antonio. Wow. Top cities uh, hammering the stores and stuff. I love it. Over at ClashDaily.com. And the, the CNN toilet paper is the biggest seller. <laughs> but, hey, Jamie, i gotta, I got to bring this uh, up right now. The Southern Baptist Convention's president, who's, who's, uh, who's, who's steadily paddling away from uh, anything conservative, he came out and he said, it's wicked for anyone to separate family members. And I'm like, uh, you're a Christian, right? I, I would assume so, seeing that you're the head of the Southern Baptist Church. If it's wicked to separate families, then I guess Jesus is a is an evil man because he said in Matthew 10, "I'll separate father from son, mother from daughter. Members of their household will be their worst enemies." He said, "I'll I'll do that." So you can't throw around the term, you know, it's wicked to separate families. <laughs> And, and use like that as a carte blanche when evil, the head of like uh, the church, uh, Jesus Christo, is what we call in Miami, said, I'll do it. If it's necessary, I'll do it. Yeah, well, you know, in a, in a situation like this, though, you know, where, where you, I, I've tried to maintain, because people believe that it's Christian to allow uh, people to come over here with their children and become part of a subculture, an underground a a group of people who have no allegiance or tethering to this country except maybe through a lawn mowing paycheck and to me yeah. that's completely unchristian to allow for this. some of these people wind up being abused at at by employers they they can't even call the police when they are hurt robbed or whatever yeah. cuz for fear of going that's not christian yeah no, and, and we hate the children, you know, and it's, it's total crap. It's, it's, uh, you're, you're right in your assessment. And I was on, I was doing an interview yesterday and they're like, you know, well, it says we're supposed to help our neighbor. And it says that, you know, uh, that doesn't mean they violate our national sovereignty and, uh, they break laws and, uh, we dispense with any kind of order or rule of law or anything like that. And also in the, in the Bible, there's this, there's this Moabite woman in the Old Testament, uh, Jamie named Ruth. And she wanted to become uh, Jewish, and she wanted to be, you know, with with the Jewish people instead of the Moabites. And she said, "Your God's my God, your people's my people, your land is my land." She didn't come forth with her Moabite flag and plant it in the ground. Says, "We own this, damn it! Everybody obey us." <laughs> she didn't do that kind of La Raza, uh garbage. 
and uh, bringing her national identity. She completely absorbed the, the Jewish identity. And uh, listen, man, if I lived in Mexico and, uh, you know, and, and I didn't, I mean, that's an economic uh, crap hole, man. I would want to be in the United States. Not only is it economically not viable for anybody who's not uh, tied to the president or drug cartels, but the only forms of entertainment, the main two forms are Telemundo and Univision. And I'm telling you what, after a hot 16-hour day of picking mangoes and uh, in exchange for two scrawny chickens to, to, to eat with my frijoles, <laughs> I would pack a, a backpack full of tortillas, and I would haul ass across the Chihuahua Desert also to get here in the United States. But I wouldn't be carrying my flag. I wouldn't be singing my nation's praises. I'd be saluting uh, the old glory. I would do it in English, and I would stand in line to do it properly. Yeah, buddy, that that is so money, and it's so and it's so true. And by the way, I was wondering if you uh, have heard about that billboard in Texas. The guy's now been threatened or whatever, but it's a great billboard, and he put it yeah. up. <laughs> Liberals, please continue on I forty until you have left our great state of Texas. It's awesome, but he was threatened. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he was, but, uh, you know, that's why I like Texas, man. And uh, I, I live close to Austin. It's, uh, it's the Lib uh, Travis County. I think it's the, the liberalist uh, county in the great republic. And, uh, man, I tell you what, um, my, my neighbors and stuff, even though we're close to Austin, we dig the music scene and all the, uh, all the foodie type stuff that goes on down there. Ooh, man, they <laughs> don't dig their politics. Yeah. And uh, they share the sentiment to the guy who uh, rented that billboard. Yeah. Keep driving. Um, the uh, speaking of Texas, I also hope you guys will go. Aside from getting Doug's books, if you go to ClashDaily dot com, you will also see the apparel section. And dude, I love the I love your your shirts. Here's one, uh, and and it says. Um, you may all go to hell. I'll go to Texas. It's a women's T-shirt, which is great. I mean, you have some you have some pretty cool stuff up there, buddy. Yeah, the, I don't know if you saw the one with Hillary. We put her head on Angus Young's uh, body, doing his <laughs> famous guitar pose with his hand up in the air, and, and the other one on the neck of his guitar. And uh, that's heavy mental. And um, Hillary's got that goggle-eyed, open mouth. Uh, I'm probably having a stroke type face when she's looking at the balloons falling uh, in 2016. That one sells really well. Uh, also, uh, we've got one that says, Obey Jesus by a sword uh, from Luke's Gospel, chapter yeah. 22, verse 36. That drives everybody nuts. Jesus wouldn't want you carrying deadly force. Well, what about when he said it right there? Yeah, right. I now, speaking of CNN, because I know you had the toilet paper but I like – is this – I guess it looks like this might be a new one or one you've had on the wear for a while, but it's uh, President Trump pissing on a, on a CNN logo. <laughs> Bro, those, those, those bad boy Trump stickers where he's whizzing on CNN, <laughs> and uh, we've got several of them. Those things are screamers, man. We sell tons of that stuff, literally. People put it on their big truck and put it on your Jeep, man, and, and see what happens. Probably get your window smashed out. <laughs> right on, brother. All right, and then sooner or later, uh, I'm going to come down and see you because uh, we are uh, we, we got some plans, right? Are we? Are you? Am I going to be? Uh, are we working on something? 
for later? Yeah, we've uh, we've we are doing it behind the scenes. Nobody knows what's going on, but uh, we've we, we've got some we've got some things that have been in the works now for eight months. But we're we got all of our licensing, uh, we've got all of our ad sources. And the good thing is about this, Jamie, it has crap all to do with Facebook. Right. And and, and, and that's the key because yeah, well, well, we'll we'll get into that later. But but that that's that's the new that's the new medium, uh, not Facebook, but what what you're up to, and and I think that's the way to go because because then then but let's put it this way, there won't be any people getting shut down with this approach. So no. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, and, you know, shrewd people need to do that because uh, if you're conservative, if you're center-right, if you're, especially if you are you got a Christian edge to you or you're a Trump supporter, they will shut your platform down. When they find you, they'll shadow ban you. They'll shut shut it down. We, we've been ratcheted down on our pages. I mean, we still reach a couple million people a month, but we used to do uh, 60 uh, – 20 to 60 million uh, reach per week on Facebook until Trump got elected. Wow. Well, and just wait, because in my opinion, it's only going to get, because I guarantee you, Facebook, Twitter, these guys, they're not going to let what happened in 2016 happen again. They're just not going to let it happen, at least in social media worlds, uh, even though I think it's pretty clear that uh, if we just look at that article about who will be the next Walter Mondale, that President Trump's going to just trounce whoever he faces in 2020. But still, I, I'm, I'm pretty much guaranteeing that Facebook and Twitter are not going to allow for the kind of pervasiveness of pro-Trump messages to get out like they did. I think they missed it because they miscalculated. I think they were busy promoting Hillary, but this caught them all by surprise, and I guarantee you it won't catch them again. Yeah, and, and uh, the history book schools will teach, business schools will teach 100 years from now how, how Facebook destroyed itself through political ideology. Yeah. Yeah, as people leave it and and their monetization goes south. All right, Doug Giles, thanks a lot, brother. Appreciate you as always. Stay rowdy, Jamie. Thank right, you. Thank you. You too. ClashDaily.com. So, yeah, man, they. I I guarantee you they're plotting right now to make sure that whatever happened then is not going to happen again. They've already rolled it out. It's already started. I was talking about it a while back. On Twitter, especially. Yeah. Big time. Yeah, Twitter's starting to get a little janky. Yep. Uh, it's. I happen to think Twitter is... I, I don't know. I might be mistaken, but I'm not... I'm not so sure that's the wave of the future. There's a lot you can do on it, but I don't know. Facebook still rocks to a certain degree in terms of the reach. But as Doug pointed out, once they find out you're reaching the wrong people in their minds, they're going to stop it. They're going to put a stop to it. All right, folks. Be back tomorrow. Genevieve Wood going to be joining us. And I think Henry Davis might pop in tomorrow as well. Have a good rest of your day.